everyone, and welcome to episode 4 of How To Wrestling, the first podcast detailing how to wrestling, how to get into wrestling, how to understand wrestling, and goodness knows, maybe even how to enjoy wrestling. Hello everyone, once again, I'm the architect of podcasts about explaining things, Kevin Mann, joined in this explanatory guide on The Shield and their members by Joe Crane. Hello. How's things, Joe? Things are okay. Yeah? Yes. Are you uh, are you still sick? No, um, kind of. Still coughing in the mornings. Yeah, okay. I'll probably be good. coughing by the end of this episode. I always seem to be dry and thirsty. Just a little bit of a peek behind the scenes. Joe is drinking a very, very large, gaudy purple energy drink that has loads of things like guama and ginseng and, and whatnot in it. So expect an incredibly entertaining podcast as a result. I tried to slurp it really loudly and it didn't work (laughs) if you hear a really soft slurp a a gentle polite slurp (laughs) this episode is one which if people have figured out this point we're kind of doing it like we're we're doing a rotation in terms of classic and current wrestling and obviously the first current thing that we did was john cena and i think there's no better choice for our second current topic than detailing not only the shield but also the three members of the shield so this episode we're going to be talking about this very impressive collection of wrestlers that debuted in around 2012 and have really taken the wrestling world by storm as individuals as well as seth rollins roman reigns and dean ambrose all this and more in this episode of how to wrestling joe who are the shields to you and who are these individual members because I think this is an important episode because if you know who the Shield are, you know most of what's going on in the current show. Yeah, they're kind of the main, well, three of the main guys at the moment, aren't they? Yeah. Pretty much. The Shield are the most handsome. (laughs) Generally. Generally, yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. They've got a very concentrated handsiness. Definitely. For a tag team at the time yeah no, definitely there's uh, three very very handsome well well we'll get into that <laughs> three very um sought after men i think would be the most uh, acceptable term yeah which we can come to agree with <laughs> but i do remember when first trying to get you interesting quite early on showing you a bit of the stuff with the shield because these were three guys who were rather unique and even after this group is split up and they're all in their own individual ways when you look at these guys compared to normal members of the roster, they're quite different, I think. You know, Dean dressing differently, you know, it's their presentation, I think, how they come across. Do you mean as the Shield? No, different. it says themselves and as the Shield as well, I guess. Um, It's difficult for me to say. I mean, I think Dean's quite similar to, um, like, Steve Austin. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, on the current, current show, though. Oh, yeah. Know? No, they definitely stand out from everyone else on the current show. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when I was showing you stuff first, that these were some of the first guys who really jumped out at you. Yeah. I think, and I think a part of that was not just the matches were really interesting, but also that they themselves were quite unique, I think. And they were very handsome. And they're very, very handsome. Honestly, that is a big appeal. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to um, hopefully like dissect a little bit, a bit about the kind of the main storyline of the shield how they came together how they split up where the three guys kind of stand currently also look at some people's opinions on them because obviously not everyone thinks highly of all three of these wrestlers we've obviously got a lot of love for 
for Dean Ambrose and, and Seth Rollins. Roman Reigns, though, I'd say, like John Cena in a way, would you say, a controversial figure? Well, I was expecting a lot more controversy on Twitter when this episode came up than we actually received. Yeah. I don't know that I came across any particularly negative tweets or comments about him. I think him. people aren't passionate about their hatred of Roman Reigns. They used to be. They used to be. A few months ago, I remember everyone You were being... so confused, I yeah. remember. <laughs> people were very vocal about their hatred of him. Mm. Like, quite nasty. Yeah. Whereas, so I was expecting some of that on the tweets, but we didn't really get much. No, really. definitely. Just, just nice. Well, we might, later on, when we're going to talk about them individually, hopefully, and we're going to go through some matches, and we might get a bit of a sense... As why people thought Roman was a quote wank pheasant for as long as as they did, yeah. but I think what is very important that we do right now uh, to be subjective, sorry, objective, completely and thoroughly, we need to decide before we go any further which of these members of the Shield is the most handsome. Well, I mean, I think it's really obvious who is the most handsome, and I'm it's... not gonna, I'm not gonna lie. I think when you were first started watching wrestling things, the thing you were most passionate about. And got you hooked quite quickly was the fact that Adam Bibolo from the Editor of Podcasts thought Dean was the most handsome. Yeah, and I've ne- I don't think I'd ever seen you at this at that point so passionate. I don't think you've seen something. me that passionate about anything since either. <laughs> the only thing I care about, like Joe watched SummerSlam two thousand and fourteen mainly because Dean and Seth were wrestling, and I yeah. think that was enough of a. Of, of a hook for you. Yeah. So can you explain for a straight of all, before we get into, we did a little bit of research on this. You sent out some, some, yeah. some tweets. We got some feedback, but you obviously think Seth is rather handsome. Please explain why. <laughs> explain why. why. Why is he there the is, most handsome? He's okay. First of all, outright, he is the fittest, literally yeah. the fittest of all of them. Mm-hmm. He, in fact, is the third fittest superstar on WWE current. Well, you know, even currently, I think, possibly ever when you say fit you're not using the the english no i don't mean isn't like he's well fit which he is <laughs> i mean physically he exercises tons so like, you're talking shoot fitness shoot fitness he's a big crossfit trainer he's obsessed crossfit, crossfit. jesus crossfit jesus yeah <laughs> um and so that's point number one his character as well i think is quite endearing for you definitely uh, seth we'll get into why but is a bit of a an evil he's a heel a sellout type character. Love it. He's got like all the advantages. He's got his own little security team. He's you know <laughs> he's he's the favorite of the of the office and whatnot. And that really just I love my villains. Yeah, I think that just maybe makes him hotter. I guess. Yeah. You know. Also, leather pants. Yeah, le- and matching leather tank top. Yeah. The gloves are they? Do they do anything? Not particularly. I've actually found the leather gloves a bit creepy. Okay. But leather pants definitely a good look. Mm-hmm. Makes his butt look great. <laughs> what about his? Because uh, I mean, me, me and the guys, right? You know, me and me and the boys, the boys. When the when me and a bunch of single white men stand outside uh, a bar with with liquor and brown paper bags and talk about handsome wrestlers, uh, we reckon that his haircut is well naff. Well, you're wrong. His haircut is well cool. It's kind of like got a honeycomb quality to it, you know. Honeycomb. Kind of, well, yeah, because he's got like the the chocolatey bit, right, and then he's got the honeycomb bit. Honeycomb. Yeah, because it's bright fucking honeycomb yellow. swirl. Or something. Yeah, basically, he's he's, he's his I... hair looks like it would be delicious. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, no, I I think his hair is really cool. I know I saw some people on Twitter didn't like his hair either. No, yeah, a lot of hate for his. I mean, I think it's good good hair for a bad guy. I think it's really interesting. I personally would have that hair if yeah. 
I think it's cool. Now, moving on to Dean Ambrose, who obviously not here to defend himself, but Adam, and a lot of people would cast Dean Ambrose as being the dreamy one. Certainly if we look towards Tumblr and the world of fan fiction, Dean Ambrose... The dreamy bad boy. Sorry, Dean Subtle Earring Ambrose. Right. uh, The bad boy that he is. Features very highly for a number of people. Now, as, as a woman, could you maybe... Is that is it like is it a thing that because he's a bad boy that he's got a legion of like teen girl fans? Is that simp- Is it as simple as that? I don't know. I can't speak on behalf of obviously all women, especially because I don't think he's attractive in the slightest. And I. But know. is there an appeal to that whole kind of? Because I know there's an episode of Seinfeld where George is like becomes a bad boy and becomes just irresistible, even though he's ugly. Well, as you can tell, my kind of bad boy is more of the Seth Rollinsy villainous bad boy and less of the oh I ride a motorbike and I have a leather jacket I was literally going to say yeah but Seth is a bad boy but he's a bad boy in terms of he won't take you out when he said he would whereas Dean wouldn't take you out and then show up in a really big motorbike and rev the engine (laughs) so your parents wake up and they're like what are you doing out here you'll never date my daughter and then you're like shut up mom and dad you don't understand then you just ride off into the night and you shoot handguns in the desert with Dean because that's that's how you... see I imagine Seth would be more if he took you out on a date he'd hire limo and his security team to like pick you up he'd hire J&J security to date you for him pretty much <laughs> which is fine I, I like that he could give me a free Apple iWatch I was going to say you're, he's about, you're about to dump him you've had enough and he's like brand new Apple watch it's a whole I'd be fine with that well I think it's the bad boy approach I think definitely because if you ever look Dean's not on Twitter okay well he is but he's like only tweeted one thing. I, I I class if you've been given a social media account by a giant corporation and told to use Twitter, and then you don't use Twitter, you don't have Twitter. I, I right. he he is on Twitter in name only. Well, it's funny because he used to have Twitter. Um, he, he had did this, a little bit. Yeah, he had this feud with Mick Foley. Yeah, yeah, that on was Twitter, like a kayfabe feud, I think, on Twitter. Yeah, which is weird because now he doesn't have anything on there. Yeah, no, the the Twitter was set up. I think one of the main reasons was was because he was meant to originally have a, a feud with Mick Foley on it right. before he debuted. That was kind of the idea. Yeah, I was reading about that. And then Mick was actually unable medically to, to wrestle and therefore right. it just kind of never happened and Dean just stopped tweeting. Huh. But I mentioned Twitter specifically though because Dean is um, going out with Renee Young, yeah. WWE interviewer, personality. She's fucking awesome. Anytime she does commentary, she's amazing at it as yeah, well. Yeah, we love her. But she gets a lot of fucking hate tweets from like really angry, like quite young fans who are like, "Shut the fuck up! I hate you. I'm I will marry him." Yeah, I wonder if part of the reason Dean doesn't have a Twitter is because of that. Yeah, I think a lot of I think a lot of celebrities get that though. I think don't but they? Especially someone. I mean, if you search for Dean Ambrose on Tumblr, it's actually quite frightening. Really? Oh yeah. There's to like, what extent? Oh god. Well, there's tons of roleplay accounts. People just roleplaying as him, and they do like uh, very intricate like fan fiction where he makes out with various other wrestlers and has. Sex I'm just with saying them. a bunch of new fans, right, who are roleplaying as Dean Ambrose, and they haven't even watch his back catalogue in FCW <laughs> and sees you. That exposes the business, okay? Straight up. I used to follow one of them on Tumblr and it was really unsettling. Seeing, really? Yeah, seeing these random I find roleplay accounts quite unsettling yeah, generally, do, though. Yeah, to be fair. Yeah, you I mean, know? I've got nothing against them, but me personally, they I find them They just give me the odd. willies, like... Yeah. But it's quite strange, though. Dean is someone whose entire WWE career you can, like, watch back 
in GIF format. Yeah. <laughs> Black and white GIF format <laughs> on, uh, on, on Tumblr. But the other man then, the third person, might be a bit of the dark horse in terms of uh, most handsome. Of course, Roman Reigns, very fatherly, does mm. it for his kids, big guy, um, goes, you know, has charming blue eyes that mm. may or may not have been doctored in by Vince McMahon mm-hmm. after the fact. In terms of him as a handsome individual, I, I, think I understand why people think he's Oh, handsome. I think... Yeah. Like, objectively, he's the most handsome member of the S.H.I.E.L.D. I I personally prefer Seth, but I can stand back and say, okay, no, he is objectively the best. He's the only one who pouts routinely, and therefore he's the only one who could ever be a male (laughs) model, when you think about it. He he is, he looks perfect. There's nothing you could change about him that would make him look any more handsome. So what's happening right now is actually a transcript from a booking meeting with Vince McMahon in 2014. (laughs) He's literally perfect. He's the best looking one. If only he had blue eyes. (laughs) So yes, Roman Reigns and Super Dad's fan derision we'll get into later but we did do some research on this so maybe if you want to reveal some of the results of the straw poll of who's most handsome in the shield okay yeah so i took some i did some really important market research to find out once and for all who is the most handsome member of the shield so i took to twitter and facebook and according to the internet, Roman Reigns is the most handsome or most handsy. Did you literally um, ask Jeeves or Siri or? or no, what? I did a I did a poll on Twitter and Facebook. I said, look, uh, a representative of the internet. Oh, okay. of the internet, yeah. yeah. So as in mostly people who listen to How to Wrestling. But I also asked the Calling Spots readers mm-hmm. of, of yeah the magazine Calling Spots, um, and yeah, Roman Reigns won with seventeen votes. Uh, in second place came Dean Ambrose. To which I say, what? None of you have any taste. And in last place was Seth Rollins with only 11 votes. Really? Yeah. Well, in fairness, though, I mean, you can't argue with the taste. It is a rather representative sample. And our fans are the best fans in the world, as no, you know. No, I'm sorry. And I demand, actually, that anyone who voted for Dean Ambrose no longer listens to How to Wrestling. <laughs> Joe, you can't you can't turn your back on the... I can, on the I will. Tuna- oh, sorry. By the way, either... We'll leave it up to you now, which one you think is better. But one or two people tweeted in, uh, I think Leonard F. Harrison said, How to Universe, or shortened to How to Universe for <laughs> our fan base. And the How to Community is the other one. Yeah, like- I'm leaning towards How to Universe, oh, how to, or How to Universe. But you can't turn your back on the How to Universe. <laughs> Fucking hell. Uh, no, I can and I will. <laughs> Don't listen to the show anymore, you're not welcome here. <laughs> Until you change your mind and your vote and... Seth Rollins as the most handsy member of the Shield. It's it's a foregone conclusion, I think, that Joe's going to be a bad guy now at this point. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long time coming. Four episodes. <laughs> <laughs> so, as well as um, taking to Twitter and Facebook, I also asked uh, people to ask their own mothers who they thought was the most handsy member of the Shield. I'm just saying, like strictly speaking, mothers scientifically will be the best people to know who was the most handsome. That's just a fact. Yeah, that's just that's just true. Except, according to mothers, they also have no taste because Reigns got seven votes, uh, Dean Ambrose got three, and Seth only got two. <laughs> really? In fairness, though, when you think about it, what attracts you to Seth are, are many of those are the traits which would uh, which I think that it would put a mother off the likes of Seth. Seth looks like a bad guy, and I think uh, on a genetic behavioural level, a mother's instinct is to shun you away from. A straight. I mean, if you're a heel, 
you know, your mother is not going to want you to date that person or to go out with them. I guess. You know, I'm just saying if the first time I met your parents, I like blindsided someone and then rolled them up and got a quick three count with my hands on the tights, she would have had a quiet word in your ear that I wasn't fit to go out with you. It's true. So you need to bear that in mind when you're, when you're looking at this. But Reigns, once again, clean sweep. I know. Reigns is a, a sweet target for mothers, I guess. But I'm going to say again now, if your mother voted and didn't vote for Seth Rollins, I hate your mother. <laughs> She's a bad person. She is. And bad a bad, person, bad, and a bad mother. <laughs> she raised you wrong. She did. And uh, I don't want her listening to the podcast anymore either. <laughs> There goes the mum demographic. Um, speaking of mums, I actually asked my own mum what she thought. Um, I sent her a picture of, of the shield. and uh, This is the shield like, all together looking, you know. Yeah, all together. Yeah. Uh, and I'll post the screenshots of the tweets on, on Twitter and Facebook at some point. But I'll, I'll read out a couple. First of all, she said, um, she decided that Roman Reigns was the most handsome. Uh, she likes his nose and he had good posture. Dean does have kind of a... He does kind of cower and... Slouch. <laughs> slouch. Has a hunch. He does. That's from leaning back at his desk in school not listening to Mr. Jabronski during math class. She said that Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose look squitty-eyed and suspicious. Well, Dean is definitely suspicious. But again, what your mother would say is suspicious, I would say is mysterious and alluring. She referred to Roman Reigns as Mr. Handsome. And... Uh, <laughs> And said, Seth is very sweaty and has stupid hair. So, mother, I don't want you to listen to the podcast anymore. And also, you're a bad mother. So, I I think now that we're down to the people who can listen to this podcast. It's just me. Everyone else. And Seth Rollins. Fuck off. And And Seth Rollins. And maybe J&J security is is heavy. (laughs) I've now banished my own mother. for How dare she? How dare she? How fucking dare she? She has to earn her way back into the how-to community. She did say, though, that she thinks Dean is ghastly (laughs) to both look at and to listen to. Oh, did she get any audio of Dean? I sent her a video to an interview with Roman Reigns and Dean Ambrose. All right, and did he, wow, even in an interview environment, because I would say in a match, Dean is a we've three very grunty wrestlers here, folks. They make a lot of noise in yeah. the ring, individually and collectively. But even Dean on his own. To be fair as well, the interview I sent her, Dean actually looked quite good. His hair wasn't too weird looking. Wear a suit, like. He wasn't too sweaty and smelly looking. Uh, so I thought actually I'd done him quite a nice gesture there. Yeah. Uh, I sent her a good representation of him on a good day. But no, still ghastly. Still not enough. Ghastly. No. no. So at least she didn't vote him over Reigns. Yeah, but true. But she still didn't pick Seth Rollins. At least she didn't call Seth ghastly. Then we would have like, but you know... But she did say that he had the will disgusting, would have had to be greasy hair. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, I, I made a pop at his hair earlier. And I mean, if you don't let me listen to this podcast, I won't be able to know what, what's going on, you know? Also worth noting, I also conducted the same survey on my friends list on Facebook. Yeah. And... Uh, According to my friends, Seth Rollins is the most handsome with 11 votes. Mm. Dean Ambrose only got two. Well, I will say you can't choose your family and you can't choose other people's mums, but you can choose your friends. So I think that you may have just blocked and called anyone who had a difference of opinion. Well, maybe there. that's true. Maybe I banished them all from my friends list for having bad opinions. Okay, I think if you're going to banish people from the how to universe, though... We need a co-signary on that, and it must be witnessed. Right. Okay. Fine. Right. We have a lot to get into. A lot of uh, tweets were sent in. Hashtag how to shield to talk about the group. Hashtag how to Reigns, how to Rollins, and how to Ambrose. So let's take a quick look at the tweets and see what people sent in. 
so we got a load of really great match suggestions, and it's great because I had kind of mentally had a list in my head of like, oh, I'm definitely going to show Joe this and show Joe this, and people basically like, uh, you know, echoed a lot of what I was going to show you. So thank you so much, and not just the opinions, but people who send in clips on YouTube, match types, things like that. That's really really helpful, and so thank you for doing that. Yeah. How to shield then? Right. So two minutes added on Twitter said uh, the booking of the shield was the beginning of the end of the start stop era of the booking committee does that make sense to you because it doesn't make sense to me i think what they're alluding to here is possibly because the WWE had a bit of a bad habit of kind of going right we're gonna we're gonna give this guy a push we're gonna you know make him a big star go with it and then kind of go ah, actually you know what maybe this guy instead or maybe we should just go back to john cena and when they say stop, start booking, it's when they refer to kind of someone being positioned as being a big deal one week and then the next week they're kind of like, uh It's kind of like a kid not being able to figure out which of his toys are the favourite. So, you know, right. there's a bit of a rotation going on. The reason why the Shield would by many be viewed as an end to that is because these guys came in and it seemed like there was a long-term plan for them. Not just as a group, but also individually and when they eventually split it also seemed like they had long-term plans for all three which is pretty cool and they were able to position those three guys into three big roles which they've held ever since yeah it's interesting because i was reading that apparently vince mcmahon originally wanted them to um split up almost a year earlier than they yeah actually did. yeah and fans were always calling for them they, they all wanted them to split because they were popular and they you know they thought oh a split story would be great they ended up being split possibly slightly too late, some would say. Apparently it was Seth Rollins who managed to convince Vince otherwise to split them later. Mm. And that's happened before with Vince with other big groups where he's wanted to split them up quite early on because it's kind of like, right, it's hot, the fans love it, so therefore let's split it up and we'll get this whole new thing going. Whereas if you're a wrestler, okay, and you're in that situation knowing that you know that the fans aren't going to get sick of this for another six months, say... And you know you've got any time the Shield are wrestling, it's going to be in a high-profile match or a main event, or they'll be wrestling someone who's a big deal. Then obviously they want to keep that going because that means you know more money, more Shield merchandise sales, mm. you know. And that was kind of unknown. And even though when they were split up, there was a plan for them. Y- you never know, I guess. So yeah. you know, there's an element of comfort there. And if you can make more money and can get more storylines out of it, then yeah, you should, so. Uh, Vile Lane said, they work on the same dynamic as a boy band. The pretty one, Seth, the bad boy, Dean, and the strong, silent one, Roman. That's really cool, yeah. And the cool thing about The Shield is that, just from our descriptions of them there, when we're talking about who is most handsome, you've got three very, very unique characters. And The Shield, their whole thing when they first came in was that they were wearing, like, you know, riot gear, and they all came up through the crowd. They were very much a unit, but within that unit, they were very distinct. And you could, everyone could easily have a favourite. You know, everyone had someone which they liked. They were all very different, not just how they looked, how they acted, their personalities, how they wrestled. And it was cool that you did have the kind of dynamic then. Because a lot of times you got groups, they did a group, say, in 2011, which was like a load of rookies who had all joined up. And they were all going to take over the WWE. They were called the Nexus. And there was like seven guys in it. Darren Young, one of the tag champs at the moment, he was in in that group. It was called the Nexus. Big, big thing it was going to be. But the idea of the group was amazing because the group was awesome. It was like, yeah, this group is kick-ass. But the guys individually had no flair. They had Mm -hmm. no substance to them. And people couldn't go, oh, yeah, I kind of like Darren Young because he's got 
light blue pants as opposed to Heath Slater who's got dark red pants <laughs> and they all look the same and the, it, the, it suffered and it squandered as a result the shield though awesome unit awesome individuals and yeah. that really really worked I think that's the thing because they, they did get solid wrestlers with their own kind of established audience and their own identity down it's not like they crafted them and crafted the personality for that exactly yeah and I actually like as well one of the things I like about this and I might get uh, some flack on Twitter from it but the original idea was that you were going to have Ambrose, who was an independent wrestler originally, and Seth, who was also an independent wrestler originally, and a guy called Chris Hero. Oh, yeah, I was reading about yes, this. Yes, uh, who was also an independent wrestler. The idea was that these three kind of indie superstars almost would, would come to the main roster and form this group. Yeah, it wasn't the idea that CM Punk was going to have them as some kind of security force. Yeah, they were meant to like be on the lookout for CM Punk, basically. And, who, like, we will do an episode on eventually. And fed to Ryback, basically. Yeah, Ryback was a, was a wrestler at the time who was you know big good guy you know he was tearing people down and he, they were there to protect punk from ryback originally right. was the plan but to the point of like individuality i like the fact that they didn't go with with chris hero in that group yeah because then the group is the three indie wrestlers whereas yeah. when they actually went with roman reigns who was literally vince mcmahon planted some seeds in the ground <laughs> you know and then came later and this magic, this magic beam yeah. had grown and he's hey Roman Reigns is here now let's let's harvest this I like the fact that you had that in it because it gave the group a little bit of of a different feel I love Chris I haven't seen Chris Hero wrestle much but I love his his whole look with his beard and everything I think he's very handsy he yeah. made it onto my I just recently wrote an article for Calling Spots for of the 10 most handsy hunks in wrestling and he made it he was going to make it onto the list, I think. He was honourable mentions. He was honourable mentions, yeah. And I think he's very handsy. But I can understand why they didn't go with it. He hasn't got quite the look. Yeah. Oh, people are going to be upset when they hear that. I'm really sorry, and I love him a lot. I think he's very handsy. I would love to do a how-to hero episode Yeah, that would be great. That would be really, really Any great. excuse to look at him more. <laughs> um, uh, Matt Hardy tweeted in to say, A brilliant example of a dominant stable to get all three members over. Broke up early, leaving fans wanting more. Now, uh, if you've listened to our how-to terminology episode, bonus, special, you'll know what he means by that. And I, I don't know quite what stable means. A group of, of men. Okay. The easy way to remember is a stable full of horses. And then just imagine a group of intimidating wrestlers and Jim Ross going, look at these horses coming to the ring. <laughs> this stable of men. <laughs> and to get someone over means to make them popular with the crowd. Yeah, basically, that's it. So, yeah, a brilliant example of using a group of wrestlers to get all three members popular with the crowd. Exactly, because, you know, if you're on your own starting off, it can be a bit daunting. And if the crowd doesn't accept you, you're, you, you can be quite screwed. But the fact that they were this group, this trio, they kind of had a little air of, prote- air of protection around them. They were viewed as being special. And they, they were quite dominant in the fact that they won lots. So that meant that, yeah, the fans were able to buy into them. They made them look strong, so the fans believed that they were yeah. you know, strong. No, they did a very good job of making them look quite quite intimidating. Definitely, yeah. And then Dapper's Den said, Three dogs ran the yard until one of the dogs got a nice new owner, one of them fought a meat mountain, and one might have rabies. <laughs> that's, that's lovely. That will make all the more sense, I think, once we went through some of these matches, but that's a lovely yeah. parable. Using the medium of dogs, as is mm-hmm. popular, uh, at the time appreciate that if anyone fancies drawing the shield as different types of dogs I would appreciate that yeah definitely or little types of baby goats as Billy once imagined them uh, <laughs> all being uh, Roman Reigns 
<laughs> it's quite funny. I think it's more damning for Reigns the fact that he got the least amount of tweets as opposed to people saying he was more handsome. It's true, yeah. More people have something to say about how handsy he is than anything else about him. <laughs> I can't tell if Vince McMahon will be happy or sad about that fact. Yeah, it's a hard one to know. But Roman Reigns, for those of you, just to give you a very, very little tiny nugget, he will be the next top guy as long as Vince McMahon is alive and things go according to plan, once John Cena literally falls apart, Roman Reigns should be next guy. Actually, uh, Jake Burden tweeted in to say, Roman has been picked to be the new Cena, but Cena is still around, so it's really awkward. <laughs> it is. It's so <laughs> awkward at the yeah. moment. And it is a bit of a case of there ain't enough room in this town for the both of us. Having two super top guys like that, there was one time in history when they managed that. And that was the Attitude Era when you had Steve Austin and The Rock. And that was the most successful period in wrestling ever. Mm. Uh, It's not going to happen with Roman Reigns and John Cena, unfortunately. Speaking of The Rock, Michael Scally, Fizz vs. The World, tweeted in to say that Roman Reigns had accomplished the unfortunate achievement of making modern fans boo The Rock. I wanted to show Joe some, like, fan rejection of Roman. And I showed her just the reaction to him winning the Royal Rumble. And just the fucking... The loudness of the booze. Yeah. And The Rock, who literally, The Rock could come out and like hold up a fucking swastika flag and people would be like, yeah! (laughs) (laughs) You know, that's how fucking beloved The Rock is. There's no one who is beloved by both non-fans, casual fans and hardcore fans Mm. all together at once like that. And they, they, The Rock raises Roman's hands in the air and it just goes boo and the rock literally goes damn (laughs) he's like what's going on (laughs) yeah he's properly confused brand ruined seriously so Fizz vs the World also said no clear example of the company and the crowd being on opposing sides of who should be pushed definitely and there's nothing more awkward particularly if you're a new fan this I honestly think this must be so confusing for new fans if they tuned in to watch the Royal Rumble or Wrestlemania or any show this year where Roman Reigns was meant to be the big good guy. Now, more than with Cena, we mentioned this, the difficulty. How do I explain to a new fan, oh, right, yeah, the reason why everyone in this arena is booing them, even though they're meant to be cheering them, is because they don't think that he, in this make-believe sport, should be put in this position so early on. Now, the announcers are going to pretend that none of this booing is happening and carry on like, he's awesome and the fans think he's great. That is so confusing if you're a new fan, surely. Yeah, definitely. No, it's really confusing. I, I, the thing that really got me for a while was the Roman Reigns is strong meme. <laughs> yeah. Didn't understand that for ages. Because everyone's talking about how strong he is, which sounds like a good thing. Basically, it was meant to be, like, keep Roman looking strong or make Roman look strong was a meme because when the Shield were a group, it generally was Roman who either got the win or if the rare event that the Shield lost, Roman would probably not be the one who took the that loss. He would not be involved in the decision. Roman usually was the person who the hot tag built to, that bit of momentum yeah. in the tag match. So it was always... Roman did less than the other two. He wrestled less. When he was in matches, he was an active participant for a less amount of time. He was made to look strong by the fact that rarely was he put in positions where other wrestlers bet him up. Yeah. Like... Someone coming out and beating the shit out of Roman Reigns did not happen, ever. From the (laughs) matches that we watched, obviously we will go into more detail later, Um, it does seem to be that it's mainly Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose 
fighting lots, doing amazing things, and then Roman comes out right at the end to get in a pin. Yeah, when, he, when we talked that special word we talked about in uh, how-to terminology, which was, was work rate, describing someone as having an amazing work rate or you know taking a lot of moves in a match or yeah. kind of having a quick pace, Roman... I think even he's getting better. I will say this, and keep in mind, folks, this is August 2015. This is being recorded, uh, so this could have retrospectively be be irrelevant. But he is getting better, right? Compared to where he was, and it seems like they've noticed that they shouldn't have maybe put him in that position so soon. Mm. But he still has a number of issues with him that fans still kind of are, are not so on board with. Um. James Martin said, let me know if someone explains what a wank pheasant is and why Roman Reigns is one. Roman Reigns is a wank pheasant. If you are in England and you are a top bloke, chances are you've combined a swear word with an animal to make a funny joke like JP would in Fresh Meat. Oh, you're you're an, an awful dick platypus. It's, it you sounds know? like it might be a term that came from the in-betweeners or something it really is something like yeah it is it's it's one of the it's that style of humor yeah as in look at this stupid you know fuck giraffe you know that kind of thing yeah there's an element of randomness to it a little bit of no fielding (laughs) i think maybe (laughs) but the phrase he's a wank pheasant wank pheasant is just like yeah a term that was used i imagine in in comedy and amongst folks and a sign, I think it was at a, either UK fan was at a big show or WWE was in in the UK for a show. And on the, the main camera, you could very obviously see a giant sign that said Roman Reigns is a wank pheasant, which completely perplexed all of the United States because they were like, a wank pheasant? What is a wank pheasant? Because <laughs> wank isn't really a word that they, they no. would use over there. Do they you have know? pheasants in America? I don't think they have birds. <laughs> they only have eag- bald eagles with tears in their eyes. It's basically a masturbation bald eagle. Yeah, if you can imagine that. Now, a pheasant is like my favourite bird. So I mean, To eat know, or to look to at? To look at, to eat, okay. to have around. I just think they're great. A wank pheasant is, is quite a peculiar put down. But I think it was just the fact that, whoa, what there's what's this sign that makes no sense and then everyone started asking what it meant i believe it trended at one point it's a lot less and then you had copycat signs of people bringing it to other shows and at wrestlemania i believe there was a wank pheasant sign like because it's one of those things that i've heard so many people especially americans ask what on earth it means the actual answer is really anticlimactic like the actual answer as far as i can tell is someone made a sign now Chances are, anytime in wrestling, when someone makes a sign, is your response to it. There's probably going to be, like, a Reddit thread now of, like, fucking a masterminded plan to, like, bring this amazing sign that was going to destroy Roman Reigns forever. It's going to turn out to be, like, a really successful content marketing strategy or something. (laughs) Yes, for for those of us who like to masturbate pheasants, uh, you know, our time (laughs) has finally come. Let's move on to how to Rollins, shall we? So, Rollins, we got here from Jamie Canfail. Rollins is one of the current crop that got into wrestling because of the indies. And his main goal at the time when Rollins got into wrestling wasn't to be a WWE superstar. It was that he said he wanted to get into Ring of Honor, which is Ring of Honor, the independent uh, company which gave us the likes of Seth Rollins, CM Punk, Daniel Bryan, Samoa Joe, Cesaro. Jesus. You know, quite a... Anyone who you think is like, wow, that's a real fucking awesome... Like, that guy can go. A lot of them came 
from from Ring of Honor. Wow. They kind of fed into WWE's kind of current crop top there. Uh, Save us Y2J on Twitter writes. Seth Rollins is a smarmy little shit with stupid multicolored hair and has had everything handed to him. It's the best. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say I hate you, and no, I agree. Yeah. Um, let's see here, and yeah, I think a lot of people were just tweeting in lots of clips of Rollins from his recent. He does really funny promos on Raw. He's currently the champion. It refers to Monday Night Raw as being Monday Night Rollins. <laughs> The recent little mini feud he did with Brock Lesnar was... So good. I, I can't recall sitting down watching Raw start to finish with you that many times in a row, other than when Seth was running scared from Brock. <laughs> that was great stuff. Seth is a really just great coward, chicken shit bad guy who is so fun to watch get beat up and try and weasel his way out of being beaten up. Yeah. And what I love about his character is that he is obviously very good. Like, in kayfabe, he's an awesome wrestler. Yeah. But he doesn't want to wrestle if he can help it. Or It's interesting. I've heard so many different opinions on Seth Rollins as a wrestler. A lot of the articles I've read refer to him as one of the best wrestlers of all time. And some other articles I've read describe him as not a good wrestler at all and his matches are boring. So it seems to be quite a... I, I'd say, I'll be honest, I'm sticking my neck out there and say that if you think Seth Rollins as a wrestler is boring yeah I don't understand you shouldn't be fucking watching wrestling because that's a cold that's a fucking cold estimation he's my absolute favourite wrestler I think I love showing Seth to to people getting into wrestling because it's like look fucking crazy flips stiff kicks you know crazy he he has a a huge arsenal of these amazing moves and he still manages to surprise me Mm. And I've seen a lot of wrestling, you know. He's a great one for, like, covering all bases. I don't see how anyone can dislike him because he does these really funny promos. He's very... He's so entertaining. He is. He's you know? great on the mic. And he's one of the few wrestlers as well as bad guys who lets his character, when he's talking on the microphone, carry over into the actual, like, matches itself. Mm. Like, he's always talking. Yeah. He's always, you know... God, that match with uh, Dean Ambrose. Was it... Oh, and he's, Dean wants to climb the ladder yeah. and Seth works on the leg for the whole match. And at literally a hundred times... How are you going to climb a ladder with one leg? How are you going to climb a ladder with one leg, Dean? Yeah. How, how, how are you going to climb a ladder with one leg? And like he would be like do moves and then position himself in a way so he could say it again. You yeah. know, he's like, how are you going to climb a ladder with one leg? So entertaining. And it made that match, which was quite long, really, really fun and kept the pace going. I think he's, I think he's an absolute incredible wrestler. Yeah. Uh, I think he's really just entertaining to watch. So a cool thing I learned in uh, in wrestling this week is themed around the episode. Seth Rollins has a wrestling school, mm. and for only three thousand five hundred dollars, you can train with him. Really? Which is fucking awesome! And wow, I want to do that. That would be so cool. Just saying, if anyone on there wants out there listening to this podcast fancies giving me that money, I would love to train <laughs> with Seth Rollins. Yes, I will spend probably most of the time staring at his beautiful bottom in yeah. little tight leather pants. I will just but... say, buyer beware when it comes to wrestling school by saying you will train with the name of the wrestler on Even if school. it's just like... It could be know. his mate, you know, in a pair of track pants who has <laughs> rubbish bottoms. So. Apparently it's really good. And I, yeah, I doubt you get to train with him exclusively. Exclusively, I think it's probably he. He is a bit busy. It. Yeah, yeah. But still, that's amazing. That's I mean, cool. he is one of the greatest wrestlers, I think. Well, he shows it's a smart wrestler that starts up a training school. Yeah. Uh, before 
he retires as I mean, well. I know because John Cena, he um, finances other wrestlers getting into it. He pays for some of their equipment Oh, and wow, stuff. that's cool. Yeah, it's Did something I only learned after the episode of How to John Cena. Wow. But apparently he does. He gives a lot of support and equipment. And he also has a personal gym, which he lets new wrestlers use for free and stuff, oh, which is awesome. Good guy. Yeah. So very it's cool that guy. Seth Rollins has his own wrestling school and it's very cheap, I think. Yeah, interesting. Moving on to How to Ambrose. We had a lot of tweets about Ambrose. A lot, a lot of people were pointing to one thing which they really wanted to make sure that he knew about, which is Dean's atypical entry into WWE. Obviously, Reigns was someone we mentioned who was essentially grown by Vince McMahon. He was which, an NFL footballer, wasn't he, Reigns? Well, he, was. he was not. He basically was. He had injury or didn't make the cut, but failed football player can't right. do football anymore so it's basically like hey you're part of a famous wrestling family why not you know do wrestling and he was kind of fast-tracked so to speak and people piss all over him for that but the exact same thing the exact same way of getting into wrestling that's how the rock got into wrestling huh. which was he was fucking around doing canadian football league or whatever and then someone's like hey isn't your dad like you know why don't you become a wrestler you know, and he got fast-tracked as well. So bear wow. that in mind with your barbs of criticism in, in future, folks. Now, Seth obviously coming in, as we mentioned, through Ring of Honor, which is quite a popular way for a lot of wrestlers to come in uh, in recent years. But Dean was was very different in how he came in here. Uh, a lot of people making sure uh, Jamie Albrecht, uh, Gordon Bonthren, <laughs> all sending us clips of Dean Ambrose in Combat Zone Wrestling. And various other indies where Dean was essentially what's known as a deathmatch wrestler. Which meant that Dean Ambrose didn't go out and jump off the top rope and do incredible flips and grapples and whatnot. A typical night for Dean Ambrose, who was known as John Moxley at the time. A typical night at the office would have usually involved barbed wire, thumbtacks, broken glass, light bulbs. You know those light, those tube light bulb things? Like just smacking them over the head with it. Mm. And everything in between you can imagine. Dean Ambrose bled a lot yeah, in his young career. You showed me like a couple of clips from his early matches. And it's just really sad. There's like no one in the audience. They're wrestling for like 20 people. Now, every time I say anything bad about the company, people are always quick to, and rightfully so, point out that, oh, CZW doesn't just do that. They have these other matches as well now. And it's not just that. But they do still put on these tournaments of death, cage of death. All this, you know, that's their main, that's their identity. Yeah. And I still, just for the life of me, you know, seeing Dean Ambrose in there losing buckets of blood in a dirty fucking ring. And those guys haven't all been tested, you know. A dirty ring that's covered in fucking blood in a field in front of 10 or 15 people. I just don't understand why, why they do it. Because if there's not that many people, surely I don't see how... I mean, they're not going to be making huge amounts of money. No, there won't be big money being given at those matches. And so they're doing it just for like the adrenaline rush. For some people, it is that you know, it is like the the adrenaline rush. Someone actually pointed out on Twitter that they said that they thought that Dean Ambrose uh, was the first death match, the first death match wrestler to actually make it in the WWE. Really? There is an idea that it's kind of like you do this crazy shit, this over the top stuff. You'll get noticed. They'll talk about you. And that worked back in the day of Mick Foley when no yeah. one was doing that. But in a day now where the world and its mother seems to be in the back garden wrestling in a shitty ring and 
bleeding buckets of blood. You can't garner attention just from bloodshed and it violence. It seems a very odd way. If if somewhere like WWE is your main goal, end mm. goal, it seems a very odd way to try and get in. Through. And honestly, I when I found out that John Moxley had signed to WWE at the time, I thought no fucking way because I knew he could wrestle. Right. I knew he was a really good wrestler, and he also. Unlike 99% of people who wrestle in that kind of matches, he could wrestle without a shirt, you yeah. know, because he didn't have a fucking, a giant gut or mm-hmm. a giant, you know, belly or whatever. So he was in good shape, he could wrestle, and he's an amazing, amazing interviews and promos. Yeah. So I thought he had that going for him, but I was still kind of going, the reputation surely will, will hold him back. And he's managed to become this huge star. Yeah. And I would, part of me would say in spite of, of that, mm. you know. But it's just, I remember the, the clip we watched, the famous clip of him yeah. with the skill saw. Mm. Now, we watched the clip, it's Dean Ambrose in the Tournament of Death, where he has a skill saw which is applied to his forehead, and it just seems like blood is gushing everywhere. It's one of the most horrific things ever. And I sat Joe down and I wrapped her up in a duvet of content and trigger warnings <laughs> and NSFW uh, hashtags. Yeah, made sure I was prepare ready for it, you to know. Watch it. Nice cup of tea, mm-hmm. and still it ooked you out. Yeah. And I showed you then the clip afterwards of Dean Ambrose of explaining how it was fake and it was just a Hollywood skill saw and it was all bullshit. And the only reason why it looked like there was blood coming out of him was because he was already bleeding and the fake blades just moved the blood around. It doesn't look like that, though. And it still made you squeamish. Yeah, it doesn't. I can't see how it's just moving more blood around because it looks like it's properly gushing. I think it's funny because people were like, he mentions in that clip, kind of people going, of course it's real. And he's like, he, he's just completely blown away by the stupidity of people kind of going like, yeah, of course he's going to get I take offence to that. He was all like, you're a fucking idiot if you think it's real. It's like, but it looks really real. Yeah, it does. And it they're really going to do all this other stuff, like set each other on fire and wrestle in and barbed wire. And like, they will staple each other and yeah. use real barbed wire, real how fire. How are you supposed to know? Idiot. You fucking, how dare you not be a professional wrestler who's been doing this for years and not recognise that that... It was like, yeah, of course it would kill you. I don't know. I've never put a bone saw to my skull. And you wouldn't mind as well. It's not as if this isn't a company or a promotion or even a fucking show where guys getting cut for real and, you know, losing lots of blood through their legs and through bad gashes yeah. and all sorts of things happening. Um, yeah, deathmatch wrestling, it's not my cup of tea. It's not for me. I think it sets a bad precedent. I'm happy that the world en masse, in terms of mainstream wrestling, has moved away from it. But I do like the fact that Dean Ambrose is a little bit of a throwback to that kind of hardcore, yeah. violent style. Reminds me of Mick Foley and Steve Austin in that kind of respect, yeah. I guess, you know? I will just say, one thing <laughs> about when Dean Ambrose is talking about that clip with the saw to his head. Yeah. I'm just going to pop it in here so you can hear a segment for yourself. But basically, he sounds exactly like some kind of frat boy <laughs> at a university, like, you know, party. Like, yeah, bro. Yeah, we all like, like cut each other's heads open. It <laughs> didn't even hurt. Didn't even hurt, man. <laughs> Idiots. So here you go. <laughs> I've heard people like say, I've seen stuff where people are like, oh, he's an idiot. He took a saw blade to the head. What a dumbass. How could an idiot mutilate yourself? I'm like, all right, let me put this to fucking bed. If you think that I took a, a skill saw to the head and survived and I'm sitting here talking to you today, then you're an idiot. It was totally like fake. I got like Marvin had the, uh, the thing and he's like, oh, I'm thinking about using this. I'm like, whoa. Hey, bro. Like, 
I don't know what you plan on doing with that. He's like, no, check it out. He's like, he sticks his tongue out. He's like, it's like, so I'm like, what? So I like put the, and the, the blade's moving. It was like soft as like a fucking baby's ass. So yeah, a bit of braggadocious is, is our boy Dean like. Goddamn frat boy. Goddamn. <laughs> and we also had a lot of people as well. Quite an early one, which which people were sending in, was, was to make sure that you left this podcast knowing that Dean Ambrose was the titty master. Yeah, I learned what the titty master was. What is the titty master, Joe? So, Dean Ambrose came out with a bandage on his... Well, he wears bandages on his hands sometimes, I think. And, or masking tape or something. And he had written on it, titty master. Yeah. And I took to Twitter to find out why and what that meant. And apparently it's some kind of in-joke between him and Big E. Oh, really? Yeah, because Big E obviously has massive pecs. He does. And apparently Dean was doing some kind of like in-joke with him about <laughs> referencing the fact that he had these massive great big pecs. Brilliant. <laughs> I, I was always trying to figure it out because like he wore it like on his wristband at some house show and I thought it was just him being a fucking... Like, making fun of the fact that he was such an obvious creep, his character at the time. Because <laughs> he had this little earring, and then he yeah. had a wristband that said, Titty Master. Yeah. And there were so many Titty Master signs in the audience <laughs> afterwards. Unfortunately, PG meant that they couldn't really do it, you know? <laughs> so, as we mentioned previously, The Shield were originally brought together with the idea of CM Punk, who was the WWE champion at the time, and a no-good baddie, managed by uh, another one of our favourites, Paul Heyman. <laughs> Oh, he was managed by Paul Heyman. Yeah. And it was great. Oh, God. The internet loved that one, let me tell you. Oh, I can't wait for our CM Punk Oh, man. How to Punk is going to be awesome. I can't wait. There's a lot to talk about with him. But the idea was, and Punk claims that the shield entirely lock and stock was, was his idea. Yeah. <laughs> I don't believe that. Isn't he a bit of a... I mean, obviously, we'll, we'll mention this properly on his episode. Isn't he a bit known for stretching the truth somewhat? Let's just say, seeing as he's he's within the, the midst of a lawsuit, it remains to be seen. Okay. <laughs> um, let's just say that. But yeah, the plan was they, they want to have this group that were going to come in and help Punk kind of keep winning his matches because he was facing off against Ryback and all these giant opponents who he seemed like completely like overwhelmed by because he'd been injured and all of a sudden this group would appear helping him and Punk would deny all association whatsoever and him and Heyman were just like, no, no, nothing to do with us. It's just they happen to be doing it. The Shield, when they first came out, they attacked Ryback. They had a pretty awful get-up. Apparently they were supposed to come out originally. The idea was they'd come out in an awful turtleneck, which I guess was kept on. Yeah, they did wear the turtleneck in their debut, which I think Dean can rock the turtleneck, but... Mm. Well, apparently the kind they were going to wear was the kind your uncle would wear to a Christmas party, according to <laughs> Seth Rollins. And they were also given nightsticks and big plastic riot shields with the words shield on them. Oh dear. That's 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 kind of grim. <laughs> that was the plan. They didn't end up wearing the actual shield. They, they were only figuratively a shield. They didn't have literal shields. And the nightsticks as well. But they did kind of go with like a riot gear type thing instead. Yeah. The idea was that they said they were a shield for the WWE against injustice. And they would attack all good... They would attack the good guys, but they would claim that some injustice had been done. Like, John Cena, you know, you've been shoved down our throats. Or, you know, you were given a title match when you weren't didn't deserve it. Or, you know, Ryback has, you know, been given opportunities that he didn't deserve. And they would just lay out all these guys who conveniently were all people who were opponents of CM Punk. So right. Punk kind of ended up getting away with murder for a long time. So were the Shield heel when they first came out there? Very much so. Very oh, okay. much so. They attacked who were like the big good guys. And the fact that they were associated with Punk, who's such a bad guy, but denied all 
all doing. Like they had like this big sit down interview. They were shielded. They were the shield were shrouded in so much mystery at the start. Yeah, they didn't wrestle on Raw for like months after they debuted. They only <laughs> wrestled on pay per views and big shows. And like when they appeared backstage, it would always be very unique. They would like pick up a camcorder that was just on the ground, and Dean would just like talk into it. It was like, who are these guys? It was almost like they weren't part of of the show. That's and cool. That was really really cool about it, and the whole. They kind of moved away from CM Punk kind of quietly as Punk went on to other things. But they just kept up this whole kind of injustice, beating up the, the people who who are who they think they've they've wronged them in some way. It's funny because now WWE, obviously what with what's going on with CM Punk at the moment, there's absolutely no clear link between any members of the Shield and Punk and at Punk, all. Yeah, even though the original plan would have been like he brought them yeah. in kind of So I kind of in a way they actually did themselves a favour by playing up this kind of, here, yeah, we've nothing to do with him. Yeah. Because kind of, there never was a point where Punk was in the ring with the shield going, you guys are the, you know, he that never happened. We Brand never got that. <laughs> so yeah, they had this Haynes of Justice thing. And what was great about them was that they were pretty much known for two things for the first kind of year of their run. They never lost. Right. And also they put on fucking incredible matches and they debuted obviously at survivor series interfering in a match but their first actual match they had themselves wouldn't be until a month later and this is the first match which we watched for how to shield which was their debut match and good lord one of my absolute favorites we're talking about the shield at tlc taking on taking on daniel bryan kane and ryback i'm gonna say right off the bat TLC match yeah. took me a long time to figure out what on earth that stood for and for a long time I thought it maybe meant tender loving care oh I get to tell you the origin of the TLC match now do you know who it's someone you love someone you love came up with this this match type is it Mick Foley yes it is I'm not surprised and he, he said they, he wanted to put these guys in a match and they would be Tables and ladders and chairs. Oh my! Tables and ladders and ch- and he got the whole crowd to chant. Oh my! Because Mick Foley's obviously a yeah. big Wizard of Oz fan. So lions and tigers and bears. Oh my! Tables and ladders and chairs. Oh my! You know, which was great. So yeah, TLC. I love they they've stuck with that. That's really cool. It's actually quite a good play on words. Yeah. So yeah, Shield came out through the crowd. Very mysterious. They had they had really like we hadn't even heard their music at this point. You know, it was it was quite a. Quite strange to see them, but they came out through the crowd, which is unique. Yeah, and again, was emphasizing how they were different and outsiders. Yeah, definitely emphasizes the whole not part of the core group. They're loners in that sense. Yeah. What did you think about how they looked? Their outfits was obviously quite different to now, but again, they had there was a wrestler back in the attitude era called the Big Boss Man who wore kind of riot gear and had a nightstick. That was his his thing, and he behaved badly. Um, But the Shield, their outfits here. Quite different to what they're wearing now, but very reminiscent of the boss man with the flak jackets and the combat pants and the boots. What did you think of their look? I I was sad because Seth is in slightly baggier clothes than normal. Yeah, he looks less like a uh, evil supervillain in yeah, this in this game. I'm not into. But Dean looks quite cool. Out of all of them, he probably looks the coolest. Yeah. Roman still wears the same outfit. Yeah, basically. Roman looks the same, only better because he hasn't got that weird logo on his t-shirt, which makes, <laughs> which makes like it look like an action. Man, like he's gone but... to Hot Topic and bought some kind of lame and spider also, shirt. And also, his his eyes aren't terrifying here as well. Yeah, very important. What did you think of this match then? Like settling in for us, seeing these three 
who you're used to seeing as rivals, I guess, but seeing them kind of as a group working, what did you think of the, the pace of the match? I mean, the first time you ever showed me a S.H.I.E.L.D. match, they were a group. Yeah. It was the S.H.I.E.L.D. versus the Wyatts. It was really interesting, though, seeing them all work together again after being quite used to them working separately. Yeah. They're really adorable. They And they work fantastically as a team, which Definitely. is something I hadn't noticed that was missing from tag team matches before. Yeah, they yeah. totally work together. Totally, yeah. One of them falls down, the other two help them back up. It's that was really it was like nice. unheard of the fact that like they're always scrambling to help each other. Yeah. Like, it was really felt like they were this this unit, which was really, really cool the to see. Commentators make a point of mentioning it actually because at one point two of the other team are knocked down and two of one of one of the person of the shield is knocked down or something. Yeah. And the other team don't bother helping each other up. But the shield will do, and they like make sure they're okay. And... and that was kind of like the gimmick for them for a long time was the fact that individually WWE weren't saying like Seth Rollins is better than John Cena or mm. Randy Orton or whatever. But as a group, they couldn't be beat because even all these supergroups they they face and they beat they beat this supergroup they beat uh, it was like Cena, Sheamus, and Ryback, <laughs> uh, Big Show, Sheamus, and Randy Orton like literally like established the top of the top and they always won and the idea was because they had this teamwork yeah. and this brotherhood or so to speak they did a really good job of making that sort of kayfabe emphasis yes at one point uh, I think this was great for me I remember watching this match and being absolutely ecstatic seeing Dean Ambrose being so weird and different at one point he gets suplexed on the ladder and he pulls a face which can only be described as he had bit into a lemon that had gone past its sell-by date <laughs> Yes, he pulls some very silly faces. And they make some very silly noises as well. They're grunty guys, aren't they? They are very grunty. I don't know if you want to attempt any grunts. I don't know. The how... only grunts out of the three of them who I think I could do any kind of impression of is, is Seth. What's, what's Seth grunt? He kind of makes like... Noises. Seth is kind of like... <laughs> Dean is like... There's kind of a, a, a guttural quality. And Roman is a... You know, kind of more of a bovine <laughs> quality there. But they, they make great noises, definitely. One thing I noticed was the match was so high energy, constantly, like Seth and Dean work yeah. so well. Obviously, Roman's a bit l- less in the match than the other two. Yeah. Seth and Dean are just, was it work rate you mentioned before? Definitely, the two of them. Incredible. And also, on the opposing side there, we'd be remiss not to mention Daniel Bryan yeah, helping good. matters massively there as well. Yeah. And of course, Kane, who's a veteran of so many years, just knows how this kind of match should be put together and the pace and all that. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, the pace is amazing, considering you've got Ryback in there and also Roman in there, both of which are a bit kind of clunky. Yeah. It was incredible, exhilarating. So good. Yeah. But it worked quite well having the, the only the two clunky guys on each side. Yeah, exactly. Because it meant it wasn't... You did kind of get a slow bit that wasn't bad slow because they had enough energy because they hadn't been doing the whole match and everything. At one point, Roman walks over to the announcer's table and yells, get up fools, it's my table now. He was so cool when he, he first came cool. in. He was so cool. <laughs> and it's that very coolness that was his undoing as we'll talk about later on. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Dean scruffles Seth's hair. Yeah, they're so nice. They're so, they're so nice. It's actually going back and watching this because now they're obviously their they're rivals and yeah. watching these earlier matches makes that like rivalry so much more because... They are literally like scruffing each other's hair yeah. and like hugging each they other. They are like, they act like brothers. And it's great because as if they knew the first night they were in there going, you know what, we will eventually be feuding. Yeah. So it's a good idea they that we knew, have. It's yeah. so fucking great. Like. The thing I found really interesting as well as the fact that they all work very well together as a team is they visibly communicate 
what they're going to do. Yeah, yeah. Which you don't see that very often in wrestling. wrestling like them kind pointing of psychic. and beckoning and stuff. And you see there's a really cool part with um, where Dean and Seth put the uh, table up on top of the rope. And then they suplex Daniel Bryan yeah. off the table together. And they're like, oh, wow. Yeah, it just emphasizes that... It's that it really is their teamwork that gets them winning matches, rather yeah. than some individual being some one of them being individually very good or talented. Yeah, 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 exactly. Some really scary spots in this match as well. I thought at one point Kane gets knocked into a wall, and Reigns and Rollins bury him with tables and he goes, other bits he goes of through wall. the wall and they literally just like cover him over. There's like we'll hide him. <laughs> <laughs> Literally the equivalent of hiding under some coats and hoping everything's going to be okay. Meanwhile, like. I can't put what Daniel Bryan and Ryback are up to, but I know they don't help. <laughs> yeah, they kind of, they isolate them all because Ryback's up at the top of the ramp and they, like, they've put him through a table up there <laughs> and then Kane is buried and then they focus on Daniel in the middle of the ring and, like, they just double team him and they end up winning and, like, as Ryback is slowly crawling <laughs> back to get them, it's fucking and brilliant. And meanwhile, Kane is still buried. <laughs> yeah, and, like, the match is over and they're, like, the three guys are just, like, in th- different parts of the arena. Yeah. Uh, Do you want to talk about the very scary thing that happened to Seth? What about him hitting his head? Yeah, going off that ladder. Yeah, so he set up these two tables and was going to jump off from the top of a ladder. A very tall ladder. A very, outside, very tall yeah. ladder. And he goes through one of the tables, but hits his head on the other one. Oh, God, that's so fucking And horrible. his eyes afterwards are, like, totally glazed over. He looks out of it. Because it's like Dean and Reigns finish the matchup the, in the ring, and they come back afterwards to help yeah, they, Seth back. Yeah, exactly. Meanwhile, Kane is buried, and they go and help Seth up from his terrible accident. And, like, they pick him up, and, like, literally his arms just flump forward. He is so out of it. Yeah. He's smacked the back of his head so hard. I remember thinking that match going, wow, they really pulled out all the stops, and I was immediately... Like, this was the kind of match where I was reaching out to my lapsed fan friends going, all right, I know that you've not watched wrestling for like a couple of months or whatever because you were pissed off, but Jesus, check this out. Mm. And like, I will say one thing definitely that happened around this time period. This is around the time when The Rock came back. Right. The Rock came back and for a few matches at WrestleMania with John Cena and some other things. And that was really great for getting eyes back on the TV and people kind of going, oh, wow, wrestling. Remember The Rock? I remember The Rock. I used to watch wrestling. But I honestly believe, and from judging from the tweets and Facebook posts, that it was The Shield and the matches that they were putting on from this point on that made those people stay fans. Yeah. And kind of go, right, came because of The Rock, but wow, this, amazing. And this is like the first of probably a hundred incredible six-man tag matches. And he went from a show that was known for having shitty matches that wouldn't put on good quality uh, shows to every week on Raw, there would be a six-man tag. Three people would try and stop the Shield somehow, and it would be incredible. Like, fucking 30-minute barn burner matches. I love this match. I don't know what you thought about it. Oh, no, I absolutely adored it. It's probably one of my favourites. And I think it was because of the fact they were putting on such incredibly entertaining matches that their popularity just skyrocketed. And, like, I know we always joke about it, but I don't think we can understate the importance of the fact that their popularity on Tumblr brought a lot of new eyes to wrestling. And I hate to break it to us, folks, us wrestling fans haven't necessarily made wrestling the most inviting place for teenage girls before. No. But, wow, if this did not open up a huge floodgate. 
Uh, we actually got a tweet from the Hulk Brogan on Twitter saying, "I'm part of the saw them on Tumblr got back into wrestling group after not having watched the product in years." I think a lot of people are gonna have that same kind of story yeah definitely i mean i know um god she's incredible on twitter and sailor swayze she did all the oh the artwork yeah she did all the oh this incredible just the fucking best as in such good yeah like wrestling is as only as good as the media surrounding it i think and i'm happy to say like during that time like going through and seeing all this amazing fan art and all this ridiculously great artwork that people were doing and i just to get the perspective of people who weren't typical wrestling fans and seeing how they could actually be drawn into to our product yeah. as a result of that, that was fucking great. So, I mean, this was a really a great period for wrestling, like late 2013 as a result. I would say as well, teen girls are... If you've got teen girls as part of your demographic, that's fantastic because oh, yeah. they are some of the most enthusiastic, creative... Will buy things. Yeah, they will buy things and they will make things about that product. And I, I think it's kind of... It's funny to see how all-encompassing WWE's social media yeah. onslaught has been. And yet, I do think they have... like I, I don't use Tumblr myself. Mm. Right? It's, it's not for me, I guess. But WWE, the fact that they've not tapped into that... Well, it's interesting because, I mean, certain wrestlers have Tumblr accounts. Sasha Banks, for example, yeah, yeah. is very active on Tumblr. And I think that's great. It's kind of the perfect site for her and her audience... It makes a lot of sense. They should certain wrestlers should it. definitely yeah. yeah be in on that because I think they're they're missing out there. Yeah, we kind of get to a point where the shield of you know they meant to be bad guy for all this time, but when we reach our time for our next match here, which is in 2014, we have something of a dream match between two super groups, the Shield, who are technically meant to be bad guys, taking on the Wyatt family, who are also technically meant to be bad guys. This was at Elimination Chamber. 2014 but we are at the point here now where the shield were essentially they had so much love from the fans Mm. that they could have easily been considered good guys at at this point and they were doing the kind of infighting as well which is great like dean was like kind of the hot head of the group and seth was like kind of really trying to keep things together (laughs) during this time that seth was given the the title of the uh he was the architect of the shield what does that mean i think it basically meant that like he was like he conceived it all and he was the reason why it all worked and he was the kind of the peacemaker between Reigns and Ambrose who were kind of more hot-headed and whatnot. He was the cool head that led the shield prevail, basically. Leaving kayfabe for a second. Yes. From what I've read, it sounds like he kind of is a bit like that. I mean, I know he has a very good relationship with Triple H. He didn't always. No, I know there was some dispute. When he was in NXT, he was nearly fired. Yeah, no, no, but apparently Triple H was the one who stopped him from being fired. Because he knew what a talented yeah. guy he was. Seth Rollins was like this egotistical, I can do what I like because I'm really talented and better than a lot of the guys here. Mm. And Triple H was like, we'll give him a chance. Yeah. We won't fire him just yet. Well, I had to say though, like just coming to this point here where it kind of, the fact that there was some infighting in the Shield, but the fact that Seth was always like kind of there to bring him back together he's like, you know, we had to be together. The shield is important that we're together and, you know, because of all the stuff we've done. And it was great because they won titles and stuff like that as well at the time. And the idea was that, like, kind of, they knew that they were better together than they were yeah. separately. So even though they had disagreements and, you know, Reigns thought he should become WWE champion, as did Ambrose. It was really, really, really <laughs> well done. Like, But that kind of infighting left an opening for the Wyatt family. Upcoming episode very shortly, I, I hope. Uh, how to Wyatt. But this was one of the very first matches I showed you, mainly because I knew 
that the Wyatts and the Shields would probably dispel a lot of what you thought a wrestler should look and act like. Yeah, definitely. This was one of the very early matches you showed I think me. It was the from... first non Mick Foley match I showed no, you. No, I mean it wasn't quite because obviously we watched we watched SummerSlam quite early on oh, yes, into yes, my yes. wrestling experience and I didn't enjoy it very much. I think this was one of the first modern matches that you like tested the waters with yeah. after that to see what I kind of liked. And I loved it. I loved it the first time I watched it and I really enjoyed it this time around as well. If you were to describe what the Wyatt family were just to give context for the match. I don't know a huge amount about them, but I know that Bray Wyatt is like in charge of them and he's in some kind of cult. Mm -hmm. And Eric Rowan is the guy who wears like a boiler suit and a sheet mask. What? They've all got beards as well. They've all got beards. Uh, Bray Wyatt looks a bit like, I suppose, a hillbilly. They're all kind of like southern. Yeah. He wears like a fedora. <laughs> I describe this match as like, right, look, it's it's hunks against men's rights activists. Pretty You'll much, love this. yeah. That's how, I think that's how you described it to me. <laughs> Men in hats and neckbeards versus hunks who were gift on Tumblr. Who do you want to win? Come on. <laughs> but I love the Wyatts, and I think their intro is very cool. Yeah, with the they, lights going the lights, out and all yeah. the wireless devices being held in the air. Yeah. So yeah, kind of WWE sensing that the Shield were probably going to spit up in the not too distant future kind of put them against the Wyatt's here yeah. to kind of do this super match showdown. The crowd were so into this. Mm. Chanting, let's go Wyatt's, let's go Shield. People rarely chant for group names. Yeah. It just doesn't really happen. Mm-hmm. Which showed you how over they were with the crowd, I guess. Yeah. I think you did notice at the start of this match that Roman Reigns has got a hella duck face. He does. He's a pouty man. Very, very pouty. He should post some pouty duck face selfies on Instagram. I wonder what his Instagram is like, actually. Hmm. Before they even ring the bell in this match, and the two of them just face off, the crowd was already chanting, this is awesome. Yeah. And that just shows you kind of... I I don't know about you, but I've always said it on the Attitude podcast that I need crowd reactions. And not only are crowd reactions necessary for me to enjoy a good match... I think crowd reactions can elevate a bad match to being an enjoyable match. Because if I'm watching something and the crowd is going apeshit for it, I kind of, you know, I buy into it a little bit more. What, yeah. about, what about you? I don't know if that's the same with you as a new fan or... I find it quite difficult to tell what crowds are chanting. Yeah. I mean, I often have to ask you for translations. Like, what are they saying this time yeah. around? <laughs> but I do think that having some kind of noise mm. and enthusiasm does make a big difference. Definitely, yeah. And I love it when they chant weird things or silly things or really aggressive things. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I mean, we got a lot of let's go wide, let's go shield and individual chants for all the guys here. The pace in this is absolutely relentless. And what's great about it is that it's one of the first times you get to see the shield wrestle as good guys. Yeah. As opposed to them being the kind of guys who it's, oh, you know, the other team has to really rally to beat them. You feel like the shield has to kind of pull it together because they're the ones who are infighting now. And the Wyatts seem to be the really ones who are united. So you get to see them kind of scrapping from underneath. And Seth Rollins, as much as I love him as a bad guy, but when he's a good guy and making a big fiery comeback and he's, oh my God, he's incredible. Yeah, I have in my notes, Seth Rollins is so cool in capitals. I can't remember what he did. To there was right a there. moment, I do remember, I think it was the first time I, I really thought I was like, kind of, all right, I think Joe might really be able to enjoy wrestling outside of Mick Foley matches <laughs> was when Luke Harper had Seth Rollins up on the top rope and he was going to give him a, a suplex, mm. like a back suplex and just flip him backwards. And Seth did an entire oh, backflip, yeah. landed on his feet perfectly. 
and then like did like a big dive afterwards and took everyone out. Absolutely incredible. And he turned to the crowd going, yeah, like, wow. I adore Seth Rollins so much. Did you like Dean's little dance that he did? Yeah, Dean gets tagged in and does a really lame dance. <laughs> he kind of, uh, he kind of shucks and jives a little bit like Dusty Rhodes. I think if we, if we see some of him at a future date, he might make sense, but a little bit of juking and jiving from, uh, from Dean there. He looks like a dad trying to do a Michael Jackson impression. <laughs> Roman hasn't been in either of the matches that we've watched so far much. He mostly yeah. stands around and looks, I mean, I want to say strong now because I know the meme, but serious, basically. Yeah, and he, we say he doesn't get tied in. It's basically the majority of the match, the majority of the moves are being done by Dean and Seth. Yeah. And Roman just kind of stands there for a lot of us. And again, I think it was at this point that people were like, kind of, the shield is awesome, but... I don't think Roman Reigns could probably wrestle in... Like, at this point, I don't think Roman had ever wrestled a one-on-one match. Maybe once he did. Dean and Seth wrestled one-on-one all the time. Roman almost never wrestled in a one-on-one match. He was almost always exclusively in tag matches, which meant that Roman could sit and wait for the kind of crowd reaction that he could be tagged in and he could do the big few moves. Because it would be easy to assume, based on that, that he's not very good at wrestling. I, I, I remember... At the time thinking, that doesn't mean he's not good. That just means that he's limited. Because I would say that, you know, when he does the hot tag and he comes in and he clears house, that's awesome and he's Mm. really good at that. But I think overall as an all-well-rounded wrestler, then no, I don't think he can say he is good. Right. Because at that point, if he's not wrestled any one-on-one matches, then how is this guy meant to be considered to be a world heavyweight champion? Yeah. Because that guy has to wrestle... He has to carry the show on the basis of one-on-one matches. I suppose it's hard when you've got someone like Dean Ambrose, who is notorious in his workout. He focuses hugely on endurance. Like, part of his whole thing is that he can wrestle for, like, 60 minutes. Uh, Dean Ambrose, who, uh, I thought his workout consisted of him going to the desert and shadow boxing (laughs) with a pair of sunglasses and going, yeah, not really many rules out here in the desert. Dean Ambrose is the 16th most fit WWE uh, what is this poll you keep referring to? Is this from a, a, a? This is an actual article. It's really interesting. I'll make sure to post it on Twitter and Facebook. But it oh, yeah. actually ranks like the top twenty most fit. Just in terms of endurance and workout. In terms of their workout and their diet. Interesting. So uh, Roman is eleventh, I think, and Dean Ambrose is sixteenth, and Seth Rollins is third. Wow, interesting. Top stuff. two places is The Rock, followed by Brock Lesnar. Interesting. interesting. Very yeah. interesting. But yeah, um, Dean Ambrose's workout is all about endurance and doing things for a long period of time, mm. whereas Seth's is more versatile and being able to react spontaneously. And Roman's obviously is focused so that he can Football. do yeah, f- short <laughs> bursts of, of 90 seconds or less. <laughs> <laughs> but I think you, you were right to point out, because we were watching this match and you kind of went, where's Roman? Because, yeah. you know... All three members of the Wyatt family were in and out. And it's not as if Roman had been taken out or beaten up and he couldn't get... He was just standing there and not tagging in. Yeah. And I think that, yeah, if you sat there and you're kind of like, yeah, he's not been in this match much, you can begin to see the resentment that was starting to bubble up from the fans kind of going, this guy's going to be the next guy and he's not even fucking tagging into these matches. It's interesting that you say that because... I was wondering if he's set up a bit like John Cena. Because he comes in at the end and he's all strong. Yeah. And he he wins, basically. He Mm. he seems to always get the pin. Now, and another problem as well with him is that, you know, when Reigns came in, do you remember the moves that he did? Big, He does a Superman punch where he does the big step back and he does a big punch. Right. And he did another one of those. I don't really remember his moves. He literally 
punches and kicks kind of. Is that of. it? No wonder I don't remember them. Uh, that's it. And I mean, like, you know, when you're in a ring with someone like Dean, who's got all these crazy ass moves and all these great, and fucking Seth. Who did just... Seth have his curb stomp at that point? Uh, yes, he did. But he didn't use it often, but he did have it as a My as favourite a finisher ever. Really? I mean, I don't know anything about finishers, but it's my favourite one. It's the only one I remember. And it's banned <laughs> as well. it's banned. For fuck's sake. <laughs> Too hot really for TV. It's cool. It's a cool finisher. It is a cool finisher, but sadly, I guess they're not, uh, they're not on board with it anymore. <laughs> But yeah, Roman just kind of comes in, does his few big punches or whatever. Um, but they kind of sow the seeds of dissent in this, where like Dean kind of it breaks down in a brawl. Dean kind of ends up going through the crowd and just disappears, and Roman is basically left on his own. Right. And there's a really cool sequence where like it's just Roman against the three of them, and you think, oh, he might actually win. But the Wyatts end up kind of going over in the end and beating Roman. And you know, Roman had been given. A match at Survivor Series where he was like one, the last guy left in the big elimination match and he eliminated everyone. And you know, at the Royal Rumble that year, he eliminated loads of people. He was in the match for ages. And this match, he, he was constantly being given opportunities for people to go, wow, Roman is strong. Strong, <laughs> you know. And But it was kind of see through there. Yeah. They, they became good guys after this and they feuded with Triple H's group. So hang on, hang on. So they were heel when they first came out. Yeah. Then they became good guys because they were over with the crowd. Yeah. And now, also, I hope everyone appreciates that I'm using wrestling terminology now. If I ever use it wrong, don't just, don't Seriously, tell me. I don't want to know. I want to I want to think I'm really good at things. Just, wait, before you put your face towards the microphone, think, can I use a wrestling word here? Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to become obnoxious now. Um, so they were over with the crowd and they became good guys and then they turned heel again? No, no, no. They, they were kind of, they were meant to be bad guys. Like in the storylines, they were kind of still positioned as bad guys. The crowd were kind of on their side. And then there came a point shortly after the match we just watched. Because the match we just watched, they were technically meant to be the bad guys. Okay. They were meant to be bad guys as were the Wyatts, but the, they were in the position that they were the good guys of that scenario. Right. But then after this, they kind of... They were like Triple H's henchmen for a long period of time. Oh. And they ended up just completely turning on them because uh, Triple H couldn't control them anymore, basically. So they worked for the authority before they split. Yep. Interesting. I didn't so, yeah, know the that. authority originally, their kind of go to guys, their henchmen were Ambrose, Rollins, and Reigns collectively. That's really interesting. Which is really That's interesting. A cool thing. So they ended up kind of being told, oh, they couldn't control them. The authority tried to like send guys after them to stop them. They were like kicking everyone's ass. So Triple H reformed his old faction, his old stable of evolution, which includes, oh. uh, yes, <laughs> which includes Randy Orton. Batista. And uh, Batista. So not Ric Flair, though. No, Ric was Flair was, was sadly 100 years old at this point. <laughs> but so. he could still wrestle at 100. Yeah. <laughs> if he had his way, he would, let's just say. <laughs> so they ended up wrestling evolution twice in mm. really good matches. One of the highlights of which was that Dave Batista wore blue wrestling gear. And everyone else wore black and Ooh. Blue Tista trended on Twitter and he got upset by oh. it. <laughs> it's so fucking funny. And with Batista gone shortly thereafter, the night after their second encounter, we had the, the big massive betrayal. The one which we've seen in the clip a million times. Where after months of people thinking the Shield are going to break up, they're going to be you know disassembled or whatever. I, think, I would think the last person people thought who would turn bad guy... It ended up being Seth. Seth was the one who turned on, on Ambrose and Reigns. Yeah, because if he's supposed to be this architect... And he was the one keeping together. them together. Yeah. People assumed that Ambrose, because he was the loose cannon and the wild cards, yeah. that he'd be the one to cut the brakes or whatever. But no, it was uh, it was Seth. 
And Seth joins up with Triple H and he basically goes full on sellout. Yeah. Or in Seth's mind, he didn't sell out, he bought in. And now he's the golden boy of Triple H's authority group. Yeah. He's kind of given preferential treatment. He was basically put in situations where in kayfabe he would always win. He won the Money in the Bank briefcase, which meant that he could get a title shot whenever he wanted. Like literally whenever he wanted. And that was because in the match... You know, Kane was there to make sure that he definitely won. <laughs> you know, he stopped Dean from winning. And we got this amazing feud then between Dean, who had just kind of, he was the outcast. It was like Dean versus Seth. So Seth was the golden boy, the corporate choice. And here, sorry, Seth was the, the golden boy, the corporate choice. And Dean was just, you know, wrestling in dirty old jeans and a leather jacket. So he what came happened out to Dean and Roman then? Why is Why did they not stick together? They were still kind of, aligned with each other um it was weird because i think there were big plans for them to kind of be a a lot of a team for a while but around this time while reigns was starting to be built up he was feuding with other people in the authority like randy orton and whatnot Mm. but quickly into that uh reigns actually got injured oh so reigns was actually out for a a good few months as a result Mm. when a lot of this would have been happening but we ended up getting this really amazing seth and dean rivalry which I think at the time I thought Dean was a lot like Steve Austin because he would just show up like a taxi would show up and Dean Ambrose would come out of it. Yeah. Or it's like Dean Ambrose has been sent to hospital and he just shows up in like a fucking ambulance or a police car or came out with a hot dog cart, you know, <laughs> and threw sauerkraut at Seth. But with Dean as being the kind of anti-authority figure and Seth being Mr. Money in the Bank, we end up coming to this match which was a showdown to end all showdowns, which was Dean versus Seth at Hell in a Cell 2014. Could you describe for the people what a Hell in a Cell match is, Joe? So it's basically when you have a match and it's in a big cage. Yeah, a really big cage. A really big cage. With a roof on top. And I don't know much about Hell in a Cell matches in general, so as far as I'm concerned, a Hell in a Cell match involves wrestling on top of the cage. (laughs) I think you're one of the few people... Who's managed to only watch Hell in the Cell matches where people yeah. go on the top. I don't think they ever go inside the cage. I think the cage is there to climb on. I think um, you need to watch John Cena versus Randy Orton inside Hell in a Cell before you <laughs> <laughs> headlock in a cell. <laughs> so at this point, Dean is also... At this point, Seth has also got one of my favourite additions to his, his, his act. J&J Security. Jamie Noble and them. Joey Mercury. Can you describe for the folks what J&J are all about? So yeah, my mum's description of them was, why do they have bald little henchmen behind them? (laughs) I don't think even your mother could tell that they're henchmen. Yeah. They have such polished heads. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I I think they're so funny. Um, Having a chicken shit like Seth have two tiny little men yeah who are meant to be his muscle they're so good as Love well because it. it's something it's a gimmick that could go wrong if it wasn't done properly well the reason why it works is that jamie noble and joey mercury are both incredible wrestlers yeah you were saying that they've done this kind of role before haven't they've they? done it before uh when steve austin was battling with vince vince had goons and they were the stooges patterson and briscoe who in their day would have been you know well accomplished amateur wrestlers and professional wrestlers and but the idea here of like Seth having these two who are actually really great wrestlers they, yeah. get, they can get beat up thrown around all that They're stuff very entertaining Jamie Noble one of them was actually a former Ring of Honor world champion wow uh, along with, so he, him and uh, Tyler would have uh, sorry him and Seth would have crossed paths 
back in the day. So the start of this match is quite interesting because Dean just goes straight to the top. Which, yeah. if you're me... Well, first of all, he takes out loads of chairs um, in, in the ring itself. Then he leaves the ring and goes up on top of the cage. Yes. He climbed all the way up to that cage. And my goodness, for me, who was watching wrestling for, you know, nearly 20 years, seeing someone finally go up top there, I was like, oh, wow. For me, I was like, oh, look, they're going back on top of the cage again. About bloody time. That's it's what they always a, do. It's been nearly a minute. <laughs> Literally the only matches I've seen, they go on top of the cage. And Seth being the big coward that he is. JJ Security tells Seth not to go up on top of the cage. Like, parents, responsible parents, they're like, don't go up there, he's he's just teasing you. And so Seth tries to climb up, takes like tries to do like one step, and then he's basically <laughs> like, nah, fuck it, you go up. Brilliant, that's why I hired them. I love how, what a turn they did with Seth, because Seth was always kind of like, out of the three of them in the shield when they were bad guys... He was maybe the least evil in a way, because Reigns was seemed like he was cold and remorseless, and Ambrose seemed like a genuine psychopath. But Seth just turned on when he became a bad guy here. He just turned on this ridiculous fucking evil, cowardly sellout. Yeah, it works so fucking well. It was really interesting seeing um, a clip of him as Tyler Black. Oh yeah, I showed you a little bit of him in Ring of Honor. Yeah, and he's. His mic skills are so poor yeah. by comparison. He's so unsure of himself. It yeah, felt. really. He talks for a long time and he's very not entertaining. Whereas now he's like one of my favourite guys on the mic. I will say is that if WWE is confident enough to give you a microphone on your own and give you like 15 or 20 yeah. minutes at the start of every show, which is what they tend to do with Seth, mm-hmm. that shows that you are... You're at that level. Yeah, you know, which it's is amazing really awesome. seeing how far he's come. Not many people on the roster can do that. You're like looking at a very short list of maybe two or three people who can do that. It's amazing because it would be a sad thing for him to be an incredible wrestler but really bad at doing promos. And stuff. that happens with a lot of wrestlers. And that yeah. for a long time, WWE were, would avoid those kind of guys from Ring of Honor in the indies and stuff because they had this assumption that, right, you're going to do all this fancy flying moves, no personality, no mic skills, no X factor. Mm. And I think Seth and many others of that crop from Ring of Honor have proved them wrong. I just don't know how he improved so significantly. Because NXT is not just where they go, the developmental system we've mentioned before. They don't just work out and learn moves and just do drills and stuff like that. They actually have like acting classes and promo classes. Yeah. Like Dusty Rhodes, when he was still alive, he would like take people one-on-one and just like try to get them to develop and think about their character. What would your character do in this situation? And when you think about Seth... He's really well fleshed out because he still references in his interviews to this day shit he did to Dean, you know, like years ago. Yeah, the they've been fighting and, warehouses. Yeah, and stuff exactly. Very, and like, yeah. he's really is really fleshed out. Mm. And like, his motives are clear. His character is clear. He has a purpose. It's like a well written character in a TV show, except it's in wrestling. It makes me think. With Eva Marie and people, because she's been added to NXT now to try and make her better, because she's got awful Good at luck the moment. To her. And I think if they've done everything, if they've done such a good job on Seth's mic skills, I think that they ha- she has at least a slim chance of of getting better. I don't want to say that Eva Marie going to NXT is the reason why Dusty Rhodes passed unexpectedly, oh, no. but I'm just saying those two events happen very close together, oh. very close Maybe without um, him there, she has no hope. I don't know. Can you tell me about your character, Eva Marie? I read everything. I mean, I wouldn't blame him. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't blame him. 
Um, so you were wondering how people climb up the hell in the cell, I believe. Yeah. How on earth do they climb up? Have you seen when Mick Foley tried to climb it up, he nearly tore his finger off because trying to get up that chicken wire. I read in his autobiography how he uh, he really struggled. Yeah, he really struggled. It must struggled. be hard for someone like him because he's quite heavy. He's not He's not a, a climbing sort. No. Um, there are usually a few footholds in the cage. Right. Which you can kind of see that they used here. Otherwise, they will tend to use the kind of the bar halfway through to try and stretch themselves up and stuff like that. But there's usually some holes in there to give them footing. But it's not an easy climb by any stretch. Yeah, no, I bet. I bet it must be hard on the fingers. Dean has got a kendo stick in this match as well, which That's I so. Ugh, I love the kendo embarrassing stick. Embarrassing. You don't like the kendo, kendo stick. stick. I just don't think someone like Dean should have a kendo stick. It's it's a established wrestling weapon. Is it? Like, it's okay for him to have it, because in wrestling, it's one of the weapons you use. Right. A Singapore cane, as it's also known. I think it would be cool if someone from Singapore had one. Yeah. You just think it's a strange... It must seem very odd that he does. this. It's like if he brought out, like, nunchucks, or what are those little star things called? Throwing stars? Shurikens. Shuriken. Yeah. If, or if you did a Shuriken, that would also be, you know... A, a <laughs> So JJ security climb up admits chance of you sold out. So yeah, Seth then climbs up behind him and attacks him from behind. I love that. Sneak attack. Sneak attack on top of the cell. <laughs> they end up both going through the cell, albeit at a much more safe angle than Mick Foley did. Yeah. They go through the through the tables on the outside, sorry. They, they fall off. Yeah, they're only up midway. Yeah, so it's... I mean, it's still really high up, but compared to Mick Foley... <laughs> and they both get put on stretchers as well, and the commentator's yeah. like, oh my god! Dean does the thing that always really annoys me in wrestling. He has his eyes open when he's supposed to be all unconscious He's been stuff. knocked silly. Oh, yeah. You know what? We need to just start knocking people out you and me and seeing if their eyes stay open or not but like if your eyes stay open because mm-hmm. it can be done and look convincing you've got to give yourself a glazed over expression like Seth has his eyes open but yeah. he looks out of it Dean just looks like he's having a nice rest <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so they kind of bring him up on the stretches, try to take him out, but Dean gets out of his and like tips Seth out of his and they end up bringing it back into the ring and so Dean locks him in like... Dean ends up with a screwdriver from somewhere. Yeah, it was harkening back to his old... Uh... It's a bit scary. It's Well, it's no skill saw. <laughs> bring out like a knife or something. If you actually thought for a second that I was going to stab Seth Rollins in the neck it's with a screwdriver. It's not really a screwdriver. You're if so it was... Stupid. His, his neck is not a screw, therefore... <laughs> <laughs> Seth makes ridiculous noises when he yells. Yeah. Proper... Yeah. <laughs> a very grunty Samas, this one, yeah. And Dean makes, again, more weird faces. At one point, he lolls his tongue out and starts smacking himself in the head. Yeah, to kind of psych himself up because he's been beaten up so much. That makes no sense. Oh, I've been beaten up so much that I'm going to beat myself up Adrenaline. even more. Slap, slap, slap. And then he gets some cinder blocks and he puts them under Seth's head. That was really, really scary. That was really scary. Because <laughs> you can him. tell they're proper cinder blocks. Wow. I mean, he, when he lifts them up, his arm is like flexing and it slams onto the ring. And... I, I always wonder, because they have in the past used Hollywood magic cinder blocks in WWE, which have been made out of sand, essentially. So unless he... These cinder blocks didn't get used, so I couldn't tell. But they looked heavy at any rate. Well, that could just be good selling for No, I mean, Dean. it made a proper noise when he dropped them on the Oh, ground. really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It made a thwonk. Oh, I think they're real. Because they didn't need to be fake for any... Because they, they don't actually them. use them, yeah. so they would have been real. Yeah, well, I don't know. Maybe I'm completely wrong, but... Um, so Dean's about to, like, line up Seth and 
curb stomp him in to make fun of Seth's finishing move. I think that's what he's doing. Yeah, he he does this thing where like Seth is like his head is on the on the bricks, yeah. and then like, he points like a gun at his head and like implies that he's going to kill him. Because at one point Seth puts Dean's head on his Money in the Bank briefcase. As he tries it, to like, do that. Tries to, to curb him, yeah. stomp him. Yeah, and then Sadine does it all around with cinder blocks, and just as he's about to, the screen goes black, and then. You can hear like muttering in some other language. Yeah, muttering that lasts so long, you can figure out who it is and what's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he does it for ages. This this muttering. Like, I thought there was a problem in that, or the network was somehow skipping. It seemed to be a full minute. <laughs> yeah, at it least. was. I've got in my notes ages underneath that. Seriously underneath that. A long time. Yeah. This is ridiculous. And we cut to a lamp in the ring that has loads of dry ice coming out of it and what appears to be the the banshee from that uh, Disney movie that's mad scary, the little people, you know, the really scary, like, ooh, uh, yeah. It's just like a hooded figure in this hologram. Yeah, which we figure is Bray Wyatt. I, what I love is that as they go to the extent of having this hologram and all the chanting and then Bray just goes, Bleh. Yeah. <laughs> he just comes in and beats him up. Long story short, Bray interferes causing Seth to win, which then sets up kind of a, a program down the line for, for, for Dean and Bray. But this match, in terms of the physicality and what they were doing, they really beat the shit out of each other in this yeah. one. They throw each other up against that cell wall. They go through tables. Dean, at one point, reenacts the the chair shot that Seth gave him, you know, the betrayal. Mm. And he's like, you, you, you stabbed me in the back. You broke my heart. I'm never going to love again. <laughs> and then he, he cracks him with that chair so hard. Yeah. What did you think of the match? Oh, I loved it. I thought this was like a bit of a bullshit ending, I thought, though. Yeah. A little bit lol WWE. Yeah, I didn't, maybe because I was lacking context, but... Bray Wyatt coming at the end seemed a bit odd. Like, I remember at the time on Twitter, everyone going, that fucking sucked. Because mm. the ending rubbed us the wrong way Yeah, so up much. until Bray Wyatt comes in, it's a really solid match. And then afterwards, it's kind of just a bit weird. But Seth and Dean, we, we had our pick of the lot because they met in the Lumberjack match at SummerSlam, which mm. was amazing. They also met in a really good uh, one-on-one match at um, a recent pay-per-view. And they also had a ladder match very recently as well. So there's loads to choose from but if you're a newbie looking to get into you know these guys check out any of their matches on the network they're fucking brilliant yeah so that's kind of like summing up the Dean the Seth rivalry not to kind of get up too much to what they're up to nowadays but they're both very well positioned Seth basically main event Dean semi main event mm. but Dean is easily in terms of reaction when Dean's music hits he gets one of the biggest reactions every night at the moment it seems very much like Dean is being lined up to be one of the main guys I mean yeah. he is already kind of I suppose but um, more along the lines of Seth and Roman yeah definitely. as they are currently but they're all they're doing very well yeah, for themselves yeah they've all done really really well but what pray tell about poor poor Bobo Reigns yeah he was somewhat absent in this amazing few that you were talking about. You know, sorry, the, you know, you mentioned that. Hey, what was he doing? Yeah. Well, this awesome Seth and Dean and Seth and Brock, Seth and Cena, all this great shit that's happening with with Seth Rollins. It seems to be missing out for a uh, for old Roman. They had kind of made up their mind very early on that Roman was going to enter the 2015 Royal Rumble. Right. It's a 30-man battle royale, which means you have to throw your opponents over the top rope. The last man standing gets to go to the main event of WrestleMania. Yeah. The idea was that he was going to win. He was going to win that match, and then he was going to go on to main event WrestleMania, and he would probably win the title. 
and he would beat Brock Lesnar, wrestling's final boss. Mm. And yay, we've got a new ultra star. And the plan was to kind of have a nice slow build from that Seth and Dean would go off and do their things and Roman would slowly kind of build up momentum, getting some credibility. Because as you pointed out, he had not really wrestled much yeah. on his own. And we were maybe a month or two into the Roman Reigns singles wrestler kind of experience before he got injured. And he was gone for a long time. And that time he was gone probably was the time they were hoping that the fans would come around to him and that he would become an accomplished (laughs) in-ring wrestler. Roman came back at around the end of last year and they just kind of went, fuck it, let's just go on, do it as we planned. And the fans did not like it. Yeah. Roman, the year previously at the Royal Rumble where Batista was booed out mercilessly by the crowd, the fans were cheering for Roman because they wanted him to win. And the year later, the exact role reversed. It was like people were booing Roman Reigns and cheering anyone not named Roman Reigns. They fucking despise the, the thought that he would become the next top guy. And I don't know what was it weird for you at this time seeing that Roman that people were hating on him because it I, was super weird because it came out of nowhere to me because <laughs> as far as I knew everyone pretty much loved everyone in the Shield and I mean I've always quite liked Roman Reigns partly because he's very handsome and also because he's like this dad yeah he's a good dad he's a good dad good dad um and then suddenly everyone hated him yeah like everyone on Twitter everyone within the audience and the crowds and everything I couldn't understand why it was really odd I thought the wholesale kind of no, anyone but you Roman Reigns kind of like, that whole thing I thought that was a little bit much the the, the honest fact was that the fans wanted Daniel Bryan who had been injured and came back they wanted, yeah. they wanted him instead and funnily enough that's what happened the year before Batista they wanted Daniel Bryan instead so I always wondered if it was a case of not so much hating Reigns but hating the fact that it wasn't Daniel Bryan yeah it was something that made no sense to me at the time but now we've done watch these matches and I know a bit more about them I can't actually really empathise as to why everyone felt like that because but, compared to Daniel Bryan Roman Reigns is actually quite weak yes he's definitely not nearly as I mean just make it's a really odd choice to pick Roman Reigns when the fans hated him yeah and it seemed he's a big guy he's handsome he's got you know he's got the lineage the look the look definitely has the look and I don't still don't think he is but he used to be cool yeah, he's not really cool anymore. Because when we, we, we pointed out a bit in the TLC match, he was like, go the way, it's my table now. Like, yeah. Oh, shit. And you know what I told you about how they would pick up the camera backstage yeah. and they would just talk into it? Reigns would literally just glower and go, believe in the shield. And that would all that's all he would say. And it's like, oh, what a fucking badass. Whereas now you've you know? got, you showed me a compilation. I of showed a compilation worst promos. of Roman Reigns' worst promos. It put me off in. I'm just going to say right now, Roman, out of all the episodes that we've done for How To Wrestling, I've generally come out of each one with a new appreciation of each wrestling I think you've covered. a new appreciation. Yeah, I actually like Roman Reigns less than I did wow. before we did this episode. We watched uh, yeah, a compilation of Roman's worst lines, yeah. including him forgetting his lines and pulling a little face. Like a proper pouty face. Kind of going, I'm here to declare myself. Mm-hmm. Pulls face. We're live, buddy. Or uh. my particular favourite one, coming with the Seth going, oh, I'm sorry for interrupting. Nah, actually, I'm not sorry. Burn! You make that sound a lot cooler than it actually is. <laughs> he managed to make that really not cool. And possibly, in a line which I hope is played when Roman eventually goes into the Hall of Fame, or even carved on his tombstone, to Seth Rollins he once said, 
You are a sniveling little suck-up salad full of suffering succotash, son. Jesus Christ. It's so embarrassing. Who who wrote that for him? And he, at the same time, right, keep this in mind, at the same time, he's also got the little contacts. Oh, yeah, Vince McMahon made him wear blue contacts. He's, weird. he's also got the old S.H.I.E.L.D. music and the old S.H.I.E.L.D. entrance and the look. Basically, them kind of saying, the S.H.I.E.L.D. was basically Roman, wasn't it? That's yeah. his thing. He also, like, he fell into the kind of oopy-doopy trap with John Cena. I feel really bad for him. I do feel bad for him. I think... I think he's an okay wrestler from the bits but I've seen. Roman Reigns isn't sitting down backstage though, kind of going, right, I think I should say that Seth no. has got donkey dung for brains. Oh, what if I told him that he was a sniveling little seller full of suffering succotash? And what about that? I think that might be a good idea. Just brainstorming here. Yeah, I just feel bad for him. And that kind of feeds into, with these shitty promos we watched, it really feeds into the negative idea that Vince McMahon kind of said, he's the guy, he's the next star, Read this. Go out there now. It shows it's not always a blessing having Vince McMahon's support. Because no. Roman Reigns, I think, could never live up to what that yeah. was. And particularly as well when he's going up against Brock Lesnar. Yeah. You know? I mean, meanwhile, you've got Seth Rollins, who's got the massive support of Triple H. And one of those two has done very well out of the support from their peer. Mm. Uh, Vince McMahon hasn't done a huge amount of help really for Roman Reigns, whereas Seth Rollins has done amazing stuff with thanks to Triple H. Yeah, it's true. Support. I think that whoever pegs you to be the next person, and I think being vocally pegged as being Vince McMahon's guy, yeah. when Vince McMahon is in a position right now where he's having slightly less say, yeah, he's which, getting older, Triple H runs things more in the company. Well, it's, it's a good decision because Triple H... Does very it's good kind of work. Right. Like, yeah, yeah I mean, I don't know a huge amount of the. Oh, you know, I'm fucking sick of you, Joe. Fucking coming on this podcast. First, you turn heel, and Now you're running on Roman Reigns. You're nothing but a <laughs> sniveling little suck up salad. You're just full of suffering succotash, son. <laughs> and that was not easy to say. <laughs> I know which out of the two of Triple H and Vince McMahon, I'd rather have Triple H on my side. Definitely, yeah. Cut to WrestleMania 31. Where the mother of all, God damn it, it's my party, so I'll have whatever kind of cake I want matches. As we see Brock Lesnar taking on Roman Reigns in a match that the entire universe was screaming in one voice, please don't let Roman win. Because Brock Lesnar, how to Lesnar is our next um, current day star we're going to do, folks, by the way. So we'll talk more about it there. But needless to say, the idea of Brock losing to Roman... Yeah. was not palatable at this point. It's a, I remember at the time, because this is one of... that was This is actually the first WrestleMania I watched live. Yes, all the way yeah. through. And I documented my experience again for a copy of Calling Spots. I wrote all about it. And I was one of the few people that thought, at the time, I, th- I wanted Roman to win. Looking back, I can see now neither of them could have won. Yeah. There's really, actually, it's a really difficult situation. There's really difficult. Really the they couldn't have had either of them win and that worked well. Because the way Brock Lesnar works is he can't just win. He has to win, underlined. Yeah. And Roman could not beat Brock. There's no way. Yeah. Brock, My feeling yeah. going into this match was I was... I tried to hold back on the the Reigns negativity, mainly because I was just burnt out from the Batista negativity the year before. Right. But goddamn Paul Heyman with his promos leading up to this match saying how, like, he wants to, you know, you're going to get beat up by Brock Lesnar. Like, oh, God, I really want to see that, though. Like, you know? <laughs> 
He's like, no, no, I'm vegan now. I don't eat chocolate. Oh, fuck, that looks good, though. Is that bacon double cheeseburger? Re- oh, man, you know. So I ended up going into this match really wanting to see Roman Reigns get beat up really, really bad. <laughs> I was really curious at the time. I remember you and I had a big discussion beforehand over who you thought was going to win. And... Uh, it was one of the first times we were actually able to have a discussion that I was able to keep up with. I knew the story beforehand and I was kind of invested into yeah. what happened as a result. And you were saying that on the one hand, you kind of didn't think that the Roman Reigns hate was entirely justified. But also you kind of, you wanted to see Brock win, but you couldn't see either of them losing. losing. Yeah. You said So you were like, well, I don't know what's going to happen. It's, there's no way this can end well. Which, in a roundabout way, it's kind of like, tune in to see what the fuck actually happens was kind yeah. of the selling point of this WrestleMania. <laughs> I mean, I don't know about you, Kevin, but I had absolutely no idea that anyone would run out and do anything. Do anything screw up the untoward. Match. Yeah. A very physical match, and one which is kind of, most of it seems to be kind of character building for, for Roman, and kind of like them taking the fans and kind of going, right, you think Roman can't, you know, doesn't take much, you know, doesn't take much in a match or doesn't do much in a match or can't go a long match or can't take a beating yeah. in a match. This match d- disproves that. And I kind of like w- imagine Vince McMahon kind of sitting Roman down going, the plan is for you to get beat up basically for real for mm-hmm. most of this match. And what I like about that though is that they bring out the side of Roman, which is like he really holds nothing back. Like within a few seconds, Lesnar is bleeding. Yeah. And this is PG era, folks. Where like literally no within, blood. yeah, within thirty seconds. Him and Lesnar are just laying into each other. I like this to an extent. I think there should be a, a point at which you being real <laughs> should stop. But I think it works very well for for Lesnar. I think it's okay if both wrestlers are cool with it. Hmm. I, I think because there's I can't remember there's some term for is it potatoing? Yes, potatoing. When you hit someone for real. Yeah. And or being stiff. Yeah, and I asked you when we were watching that match if Brock Lesnar is known for doing that. And you were saying, oh, well, he probably does kind of throw punches for real, kind of. But my rationale is that you're in. if you're in the ring with Brock Lesnar, chances are you're making a couple of hundred thousand dollars minimum tonight. Yeah. So, suplex away, sir. <laughs> I think if both parties are aware of that and are fine with that, yeah. which seems to be the way... Like, I mean, Roman Reigns is giving as much as he's taking here. Yeah, yeah. Well, kind attempting of. To. Attempting to. In the moments where he ha- where he can, he's, yeah. <laughs> he's giving him a little bit of salt and pepper. And I, I think that's really cool that you get that kind of different type of match. They are properly hitting each other in this. And it does actually go a long way to help Roman out because even though he's been battered by Lesnar, Lesnar out of the two, like Lesnar is bleeding and yeah. therefore it's kind of like, well... He looks battered. You've been hurt, you know, yeah. and that kind of makes quite an impact in this match. Um, Brock Lesnar at one point just open hands slapping he takes off his gloves and just starts slapping Roman as hard as he can so rude as the crowd chant one more time and this is awesome at one point Kevin you said I've written this down did Brock Lesnar grow stubble during the match I swear he was clean shaven at the beginning yeah at the start he looks properly clean shaven and then he's like working over reins and there's a close up of him his big scary face and he's got fucking like he's got stubble I don't know how other way to say it like well we don't even know that Brock Lesnar's actually a human so yeah I don't think he is human I think we can put that one to to, Mm. to rest like Roman ends up bopping Brock's head into the ring post Roman himself has been busted open yeah Roman's mouth is bleeding quite a lot at this point and then Lesnar's bleeding and in the main event of Wrestlemania of a PG company you've got both of your stars are bleeding and openly. Brock Lesnar is bleeding 
fucking tons. Yeah. Like yeah. I was, I mean, I'm not massively comfortable with blood. So I was looking away at different parts. I was looking at Brock Lesnar's knees, for example, mm. not at his massively blood covered face, which was leaking. He knows how to wrench his face in a way that's really upsetting. When yeah. He's been, so I was focusing on his arms and his knees and everything. But every time I looked elsewhere, blood ended up getting on it. So I couldn't <laughs> avoid, there was nowhere I could look that was safe. It was just blood everywhere. Blood everywhere. When the blood starts really flowing a lot, the ref puts on some little fancy black gloves. Yeah. It's cute. <laughs> little corpse handling gloves it he's is. got. <laughs> and this match, when it's reached kind of a physical peak, multiple finishers have been hit. You think Roman has basically got an opening and he tries to he mount a comeback on Lesnar. He hits his finishing move with the spear. Lesnar still kicks out and gets up and screams. A bloody Lesnar just screams... Fuck you! <laughs> and does his finishing move. Both men are completely out. And who should come sailing down? It's the loser of the Who's Most Handsome poll. And no! <laughs> Kevin, Seth... you're not welcome in this podcast anymore. It's a silence now. Like, you know. <laughs> it's just me yeah. talking about Seth Rollins. <laughs> Seth comes running out to the ring with his Money in the Bank briefcase. Money in the Bank is something which I think we will do its own episode on to really get into it. We're going to do match types and things as well. Yeah. I think it'll come under there. But a money in the, if you win the Money in the Bank for an entire year, you've got this contract that's in a briefcase that means that whenever you want to challenge for the belts, like whenever, it doesn't matter if there's another match going on or if the guys just had a match, you can do that. And See, that's kind of a, a cool storyline plot device. And Seth here was very famous because he was the first person to use his at Wrestlemania wow. like the main event of Wrestlemania has always been viewed as being kind of special that it has to be you know the kind of interference or someone running out so you or, save the money in the bank for something less special so that makes that special that I, I, guess, that I guess that even in non-kayfabe the writers wouldn't like to use money in the bank at Wrestlemania because it should be its own okay. thing so a lot of people didn't count on this because the amount of times people have said, oh, whoever has money in the bank, will sh- surely they'll cash in this year at WrestleMania. And we had like, you know, eight years of that not happening. Yeah. That we kind of thought, that's probably not going to happen, is it? So with money in the bank, have they only got a year to use it? Yes, they only have a year to use it, 12 oh, months. Okay. It's, it's never lapsed, if that's what you're wondering. Yeah. <laughs> Guys have held on to it for quite a long time. Seth, like, like nearly nine months with his. Wow. But Seth ends up coming out and he ends up... He knocks out Brock. With his curb stomp. And then Roman Reigns, like, was he spears? Yeah, he goes to knock out Brock and Brock picks him up for his finisher. Roman spears Lesnar. Yeah. And then Seth does his finisher to Roman. Roman, yeah, he curb stomps him and then pins him. And And then fucking flees. He scappers out of there. legs it. Incredible. I love as well how when Seth brings out the money in the bank... Uh, they're all the ref and the announcer all like talking about it and discussing whether or not it's like allowed or what they're going to announce or whatever. Meanwhile, Seth's like, come on, come on, come on, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. I don't want them to wake up. Yeah, I love that. He's, he's so like... Fast. And how quickly he runs out, like all that crossfeet working from. But yeah, in an unexpected and just really amazing... Didn't see that coming. That was a swerve. Yeah. WrestleMania 31 ends. How could it end without... Roman losing or Brock losing to it's each other. Worked so it worked so well. well. And it doesn't seem as well like a cop out. It no. seems like it was a logical ending. I to was that. very. I remember having difficulty going to sleep after this yeah. WrestleMania because of how amazing this ending was. It was just yeah. like, whoa, didn't see that coming. Brings this thing full circle to Seth fucking over Roman once again. Yeah. And, you know, in the months since, we've had the Shields continually interlapping over each other. Fun fact about this match. 
Seth Rollins didn't know he was going to cash in the money in the bank until the segment in WrestleMania with The Rock and Ronda Rousey. Sounds like halfway through the show, basically. It was only an hour before he was due on. Wow. So he quickly was sent into a back room with Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar to rehearse like the final moves to see what was actually going to happen. Do, yeah. So they didn't know about that. Because I know yeah. Roman was told the night before really? at the Hall of Fame that you're not winning. I think he was under the impression that he would be winning. Right. Because Brock also was under the impression that he'd be winning. It was, so it's quite interesting that they managed to work this out. This, yeah. Everyone was happy, basically. It's interesting that none of them knew, though. Why did they keep it so secret? Because they didn't know. Huh. Still made their mind up. God. That's, that's a fantastic... They must have been so fucking happy with... That was dead. No wonder just, they did yeah. it like an hour before and they were like, I've just had a genius idea. There's a rumour that Heyman came up with the idea. I wouldn't be surprised. But generally, anytime something good happens in wrestling, people are like, ah, oh, it's probably Paul Heyman. Like, probably is. <laughs> Secret mastermind of everything. But yeah, really amazing. Brings it full circle with the shield again with Seth screwing over Roman and robbing yeah. him of his dream and kind of... <laughs> You know, it's great that this kind of storyline seems to be something that they can keep coming back to with Roman and Seth and Dean. Mm. They're such a big part of the show now. You're constantly craving for a S.H.I.E.L.D. reunion. Oh, God, I'm so obsessed. I mean, what I want is a bit more of a feud between the three of them and a bit more antagonistic stuff first. And then I want a big reunion. I'm I'm honestly 100% convinced they're going to get a reunion. There was a a Fatal 4 match, which you and I watched as well. Uh, from after this, which was Seth defending against Randy Orton, Ambrose, and Reigns. And at one point, they all take out Randy Orton like yeah. they did as the Shield. And I Seth squealed. is like, Yeah! <laughs> and you were like so pissed when they realized that it was. I was like, It's here! It's happening! It's <laughs> I want them so badly to get back together, but also, I mean, I love them all separately too. I think there's like an appreciation of the story, I think. Yeah. You know, I think that they should get back together, but only after, I think, you've had that... When it's ready. Yeah. When, yeah. The, when the stories have been told and the... Seth doesn't seem like his story's come to an end yet, and I don't think Dean Ambrose has been given much of a, a main story anyway, as it is. Yeah, I think that there's stuff still to come. Yeah. I think, because you still have Dean and... Dean and Roman, as of 2015, August, they're still like buddy buddies that could very well change soon. Yeah. So there's a lot more wrinkles to the story. Needs to say, though, The Shield, as we can know that tell, a huge part of the current show, individually and collectively. And just, it's not, what I like about this is it's not a really complicated backstory. Mm. It's not like loads of eons ago. You know, I think the story of The Shield is quite easy. And I think if you understand this, the general yeah. gist of The Shield, you're going to really enjoy the show a lot more. I think it's a great thing to to be able to sink your teeth into. You can basically sum up the shield with they were all really good friends and then Seth betrayed them. And now they're, you now know, they're enemies. Now they're enemies. Kind of. And what a great thing as well about the shield is unlike a lot of other guys which we've watched and done episodes on, we kind of have to go, mm, careful what you watch. I'm not going to say, go watch any John Cena match. Yeah. <laughs> they're know? all gold. They're all gold. Honestly, if you see a match on the network and the Shield are in it and it's a six-man tag, you know, dollars to donuts, it's a fucking brilliant match. Yeah. And they really just up the standard of how good wrestling should be on a WWE show, not just on big pay-per-view shows, but weekly as well. Mm. So check out not just what we've watched here. This is just like a bare bones, get you started. Here's how you understand the story. But go forth with the network and search out as much S.H.I.E.L.D. stuff as you can because there's just non-stop gold. Mm. Final thoughts on Reigns, Ambrose and Rollins. Has talking about them really opened your eyes? Because you knew quite a bit about Rollins beforehand 
a little bit about Ambrose. Have you yeah. changed your mind on any of them? Has well, Seth Rollins was an interesting one because when I first started watching it, I thought he was the most handsome, amazing man ever. Then we watched a documentary about the Shield, and I thought he was really boring, and it yeah. put me off him for a while. Whereas Dean came across very well, and as did Roman Reigns. Then Seth turned a big heel, basically, yeah. and now obviously he's my favorite. I mean, I love them all. But yeah. Dean was probably my least favorite of the three, whereas now I appreciate Dean a lot more and I yeah. like Roman less, although I do feel bad for him. I think it's less of a... Um, because I think a lot of the matches you've seen with Dean that have been amazing, Seth has been in also. Yeah, it's hard to kind of like not just But I think the two of them the together, I think they could feud until the end of time. It's one of the all-time great rivalries in, in wrestling, I think. Yeah. Dean and Seth. So good. But just to finish up on the one last point, you mentioned a depreciation of Roman Reigns somewhat. Yeah, it's a difficult one. I kind of lumped him into being an incredibly talented wrestler just because he was with... By associate. Yeah, by associate. I think Vince was like, at the moment, was like, damn it, that yeah. was my plan. Whereas now he's on his own, it's more clear that he's he's a much weaker wrestler than yeah. Dean and Seth. But that match with Brock Lesnar was amazing. Oh, yeah. It was Fucking really exhilarating, good. breathtaking stuff. If he can keep up stuff like that... You know, he had some good... He actually had a really good match with The Big Show, if you could re- re- imagine that, uh, not that long ago. Yeah? So he is getting there. Well, apparently he's going through a training thing at the moment to up his endurance and cool. stuff. Cool. Well, you just know all about wrestlers' fitness now. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> apparently he's on a low-soy diet at the moment. <laughs> you know. I'm just saying, Brock Lesnar was on a protein shake diet only for a long time. Wow, because yeah. of his Reticulitis, was it? I don't know. Possibly. Maybe. We'll go Maybe. into more detail on his episode. Yes, how to <laughs> Lesnar. Well, that was fucking awesome to run through. A bit of a longer episode because we had a lot of guys to talk about, a lot of things to get through. Thank you so much, everyone, for sending in your tweets, though. That was awesome. I think Joe's got a nicely rounded view. I don't think now, having seen what we've seen and the stuff guys have sent in, I don't think you've been bullied into thinking Roman Reigns is shit. No. Because I was worried that... That might happen. No, I think our, our listeners are much They're so nice. balanced. We've got really, really, seriously, great listeners. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much, everyone, for, for helping do. out uh, with this podcast so far, with your tweets and Facebook posts. It's, it's been awesome. And it was great that only we only had two mentions of Seth Rollins' penis. Yeah. Joe knows all about Seth Rollins' penis, guys. I mean, come on. You, obviously... You yeah. know, so come on who am I dick pic release and then like a month later he's the champion or whatever it was yeah, seriously a month later that I will just say I think that shows his relationship with Triple H the fact that that didn't impact his wrestling career yeah if it was all. Vince and that happened Vince probably would have had a storyline where he keeps showing his penis to the wrestlers yeah. or something like that like wow yeah so well there you go that was How To Shield also incorporating How To Ambrose Reigns and Rollins so happy to announce I'm not sure uh, how people will react. However, our next episode is going to be a classic one. And in the midst of striking while the iron, i.e. controversy, is still relatively hot. And mainly because I'm not sure if he'll be on the network for much longer. Yeah, we've got to get it in quick. Uh, The next episode is going to be How to Hogan. Okay? Hulk Hogan, who at one point was regarded as the Babe Ruth and greatest living star in wrestling history and is still the most recognisable face in wrestling ever. Yeah. Obviously embroiled in a racism scandal as of the release of this episode, August 2015. I so, doubt that's going to change somehow. Yeah, it's going to come out that he's not oh, racist. not really a racist. Didn't you see that other tape where I said I wasn't racist, dude? <laughs> but anyway, we want to do Hi to Hogan. We will discuss the controversy because I think it's obviously important to know what's going on and all that. Yeah. 
However, I know there's a lot of fans out there and people who are trying to get in who don't know, who, who might find it quite difficult now to find out anything Me, about him. for example. I don't know anything about Hulk Hogan except he's a racist. And that's a bit of an issue, obviously, for getting into it. So we are going to say, when you're doing hashtag HowToHogan, could we make sure we get in some tweets that explain still his matches, his segments, opinions yeah. on him, why until recently he was considered to be so important, what has he done? Because obviously Hogan's someone who a lot of people hated long before he was a racist. Yeah, I've heard that there was a big... A lot of people, when this racism thing came out, apparently people were gleeful about it. Yes. Like, ha ha, finally! About time, the yeah. The guy we hate is a racist. I have a long list of, 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 of shitty things thing. that Hogan has done. But it's just that I don't... I'm not by any means taking away from the seriousness of what he's done and the reprehensible nature of those actions. Yeah, we will at all. go into that. We but... will go into it. I just don't want it to be a podcast just about his racist rant, which probably most people already know about anyway. Yeah, you can basically go onto the BBC website at the moment and just find out about it. You don't need us to cover it. Exactly. So, matches, segments, goofs, goofs, fun facts, fun facts. Times he's fucked people over. Yeah. Times he's done some very nasty things. I'm very curious. Apparently Hulk Hogan does this thing where he'll talk about someone being his best friend after they've died. Yeah, a bit of a habit <laughs> of doing that. You know? Poor Hulk Hogan. He's the loneliest man in the world. All his best friends are dead. <laughs> and he didn't have the heart to tell them they were his best friends while they were still alive. In fact, he was Damn really it. mean to them. Damn it! <laughs> that's, that's the worst. Oh. Poor Hulk Hogan. By all means, if you want to tell us why you think Hulk Hogan is should still be considered one of the most important wrestlers of all time, let us know. Yeah. If you think that Hulk Hogan should be stricken from the record books and not be talked about anymore and should be forgotten and his golden statue should be ripped down etc let us know we want to have a discussion we want to have a debate best way to keep in touch obviously ask how to wrestling send in your tweets there with how to hogan let us know your thoughts on the man don't forget to like us on facebook that's facebook.com forward slash how to wrestling and you're welcome to send us messages, posts on there as well. Let us know your thoughts on Hogan there as well, yeah. little Fred. Of course, as well, make sure you are subscribed on SoundCloud, iTunes, and on Stitcher. Now available on Stitcher Radio, of course, as well. If you want to help us out immeasurably, you can leave a rating or review on iTunes. Mm. Helps us out, helps the old algorithm, helps us get up in the charts. We're hitting the top ten uh, every time an episode seems to be coming out recently, which yeah, is fucking awesome. Yeah, it's a really good feeling. So thanks very much, everyone, for your, your continued support with this. If you want to support this podcast monetarily, help us out with some hosting costs. Also help us out with some upcoming plans and projects to get Joe out to see some of the amazing independent wrestling here in the UK and possibly further afield than that you can support us by going over to our patreon page patreon.com forward slash how to wrestling if you want to donate a certain level we're going to be having extra content that appears on there it's not going to affect the release schedule of the regular podcast it should still come out at the same rate even if you're you know, not taking part in this yeah if you don't want to back us that's absolutely fine you won't lose out Anything that you're not currently getting. Exactly. You're, you're going to get the full how-to experience still, but if you want that little extra and you want to support us out, patreon.com, you can help us out immeasurably by going there. And we've got some really exciting goals on there as well. Like We're going to start doing pay-per-view reviews, live wrestling matches. Pretty exciting. Yeah, very exciting stuff. So yeah. And if we make $5,000 per month, uh, we'd decide we're going to quit our day jobs and become full-time podcasters. Yeah, so that would be awesome if, if we could, you know... Uh, so please make that happen. Please make that... I don't want to work anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sick and tired of, of work. This I'm, working world. 
I'm pretty sure people from my job listen to this podcast, so I'm going to say I love my job. And the off chance anyone from my work, I love my job also. That was yeah. ironic. Couldn't you, couldn't you tell, you know? And for anyone who happens to be a Tumblr user, we now have a Tumblr account also. That's howtowrestling.tumblr.com. I'm going to be writing about random things that people send in. I matches. assume that's where the Seth Rollins erotic fanfic will go. As yeah, well, that right? is my handmade Seth Rollins fanfic. Maybe I'll put some fan art on there as well. In fact, my plan is to at some point upload the original fan art I did of Mick Foley and The Rock. Oh, yay! Which is from very early days of when I met Kevin and started Fantastic. watching wrestling. Well, that's going to do it for How To Shield. It's been an absolutely amazing experience talking about all these guys, talking about their storylines, their background, their matches, and also their current kind of standings. Uh, I think we've all learned a little bit more about The Shield. A little yes, bit more we have. About Roman Reigns, a little yeah. bit more about Sephiroth. We've learned a little bit more about the Titty Master, the Wank Pheasant, and whatever nickname Seth Rollins I think gets. you're going to give him like a really like, ha- you know, like the handsome yeah. pheasant. <laughs> the handsome one. The yeah, best one. Him, let's give him a, yeah, uh, the best one. Is that how we're going to settle on? Well, I mean, he is officially the most handsome according to me. And I wrote an article about it in a wrestling magazine. So that makes it official, so that I makes, guess. makes it official means he is the most handsome. Fuck all y'all who didn't vote for him. Yeah, I, I mean, who could be attracted to a pheasant? I mean, that's just wrong. Or a titty master. Yeah, that sounds intimidating. That's misogynistic. <laughs> It's a goodbye from me, Kevin, though. And a goodbye from me, Joe. And we'll see you next time when it's going to be How To Hogan. Yay. See ya. I just thought that I'd take this opportunity now, seeing as you're here. I don't know if you've, if you're, a, I don't know if you're part of the how-to community. Mm. That's the new phrase for the, for the yeah. group. But um, Joe Graham on the old podcast here, How to Wrestling, she's been talking mess about you, mm, and she, she's been talking mess about you and your boy. Mm. I'm talking about the titty master Dean Ambrose. Mm. Uh, not only. Did she refuse to accept your theory that he was the most handsy member of the Shield? Mm. She actually went on to further state that he wasn't handsome at all, mm. and that he has no intrinsic value in terms of you know uh, 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 attractiveness. Mm. I was wondering what your thoughts were on that. Like, well, the difference between Joe and I is maturity. I yeah, would say, yeah. well, you know, um, Joe is quite an irrational person, whereas I look at things through a more mature lens. Like, I'm willing to admit that Seth Rollins is a handsome man. Yeah. I'd, be, I'd be mad to try and you know deny that. He is a handsome man. What I'm saying is that Dean Ambrose is more handsome. Okay. And the fact that Joe, somehow in her world, she thinks that Dean is not handsome in any way whatsoever, that kind of just really, you know, devalidifies her argument. It it does strike me as odd, though, that you will, you know, stick to the banner of Dean Ambrose. Now, I'm a neutral party on this. I think they're all handsome. I think that Dean is handsome and so is Seth. But you will maintain that he is the most handsome member of the Shield. Mm -hmm. Yet, your own nickname you've given Dean is the Goblin King, Dean what? Ambrose. Now, goblins are ruddy minging, if I'm to be honest. Okay, well, what I'd say to that is, is can you name me another Goblin King in a piece of fiction? <laughs> because I will tell you one right now, there is a Goblin King in the movie Labyrinth, and he is played by David Bowie. Oh, I see. In tight-skinned, very nice spandex. <laughs> hey, you're not calling Dean Ambrose David Bowie. I'm not, but I'm saying... <laughs> 
All I'm saying is the term Goblin King doesn't make you unattractive. David Bowie was a Goblin King and he looked goddamn gorgeous in that film. Okay. Dean Ambrose is a Goblin King because of the weird-ass noises he makes. That's, you know, that's as simple as it is. Okay. Look, Dean is the most handsome man on the roster, never mind just in The Shield. And he has that sort of, you know, the, the curly kind of hair, the sort of rough boy from over the tracks kind of thing that your mum doesn't want you to go anywhere near, but he's yeah. just so, like, you know, elusive. Like, Dean has that kind of quality about him. And all I'm going to say is the crowd reactions, you know, they speak volumes too. That's true. People are very, very clearly in favour of Dean. I mean, they wouldn't boo someone that's attractive, would they? No, they, they certainly <laughs> would not do that. <laughs> the crowd aren't as fickle as that. Well, that's good. Could you sum up Dean Ambrose, just to finish up, in three words that would describe Dean in terms of his handsomeness? What are the three attributes that make Dean Ambrose the most handsome? Rugged. Wild. Denim. 